Welcome everyone to Dabo's Fingers episode 79. Fireballs and Fiddlers. I'm scatting with me as always is my buddy Matt. Hey guys, in this episode we are covering the first half of the Mystery Night novella. That is the final written, completed Duncan Egg novella. The final of three. Hopefully we've got some more on the way because I've really loved living in this world with Duncan Egg. A ton. Uh, but this is... Yeah, yeah. So we've got this episode and then one more to finish it up. So in this episode, if you're reading along with us in that Night of the Seven Kingdoms publication, which is the uh, it's all three novellas combined into one book, Night of the Seven Kingdoms, it's called. If you don't have it, get it for Pete's sakes. Uh, that's on we're starting on page 235 and we're reading to page 298, which is right at the conclusion of Dunk's first tilt in the tourney. Okay. All right, Scad. Let's talk about some things. Let's yeah. get some stuff out of the way. Yeah, we got some announcements to cover before we jump What's right in. What's next for us? Uh, we deliberated long and hard uh, <laughs> on mm-hmm. on this call uh, about where we should go next after debating a few options. Like seriously, seven minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, guys. yeah, yep. yeah. This is fresh, uh, very fresh. You heard it here first. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna go with the princess and the queen first, and 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 go into some of George's other novellas. So the princess and the queen is a novella that you can find mm-hmm. in the Dangerous Women anthology, um, and uh, Matt and I are gonna have to go get it because I think Matt's read it once but doesn't have it, and and uh, I haven't read it at all, so I'm excited. It'll be new content. Um, ties in kind of nicely with uh, with the Fire and Blood stuff that we've been reading. But we're going to go ahead and go back and cover those uh, that that novella next. Um, so yeah, that's the next step for us. So go out and grab it. Yeah, and I won't advertise. Yeah, I won't advertise any specific websites or anything. But we're finding it on some of the on some websites around eleven, twelve bucks for both uh, paperback and online or uh, digital editions. So go uh, go check it out. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not too big on the pocketbook. Uh, next, uh, business. So we did a little poll on our, on our Patreon site for our next films get fingered and they chose to have us see Aquaman, uh, which I'm excited about. It's actually been mm-hmm. getting really good reviews. Um, I don't know why I'm so surprised. Oh, has it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. People have been saying good things about it from, at least from what I've seen. Um, it's not out for a couple more days, but we'll see it and we will cover it. Thanks patrons for letting your voices be heard. And you should get that uh, sometime around the new year. Right. All right. And then uh, let's see. As always, we've got a special event coming up in April. Right, Scaddy? Yes. Scad will be going again to Ice and Fire Con uh, in April. That's uh, The official dates are April 25th through 28th. You can find that at IceandFireCon.com. Great group of people put that together. Um, Great group of people go and attend. And uh, I know there's sev- several members of the Kalos are coming, and um, it's always great to see everybody and, and talk and have a good time and catch up. And uh, hopefully I can meet some more of you guys out there. So jump in. Uh, you can use Fingers at checkout and get uh, get five bucks off the cost, and uh, go check it out. It's, uh, it's a great time. If you got uh, got no plans at the end of April and looking to do a little, a little vacation or a little side trip or something, check it out. It's awesome. Is that iceandfirecon.com? Is that where we'd go to to iceandfirecon.com? Yes, it is. Yep. Iceandfirecon.com. That's right. Mount Sterling, Ohio. 
That's right. Yeah, it's just outside of Columbus. Um, flights are usually not not too terrible, so check it out. And if you need a carpool, you know, let me know. Might be at the airport when you arrive. All right. Uh, next, uh, returning with a new episode. So it's this this episode's going to release right around Christmas. That we're recording now, uh, and we're going to oh, yes. we're going to be back with another episode. Matt, when? Uh, let's see. So that's oh. a great question. <laughs> I wrote it down. We are going to be back <laughs> with our next. Well, I should know because it's my it's my birthday. It's your birthday. January twenty eighth will be the release of our next episode after this. That's right. So we're taking a couple weeks. So that's January to... 25th for patrons and then 28th for, for us. Yeah, we're taking a couple weeks just to be with our families during the holidays and stuff. Uh, and we'll jump right back in to get the next and last episode of the Mystery Night out. Uh, and yeah, it'll release there at the end of January. Uh, and lastly, just a quick Fire and Blood update. Uh, I'm loving it. I'm, uh, I don't know, almost 400 pages in, 380 maybe. Um, right in the thick of... Uh, well, right at the end of King Jaehaerys' rule. Spoilers, he does end up not ruling for the rest of, uh, you know, eternity. Uh, his rule does come to an end, and that's where I am. And uh, it's, man, it's really good. I, I don't, it's it's a history book, but it's, the way they transition through the topics just kind of, it never stops. They're long chapters, and I never want to put it down. Um, Matt, how are you finding it? I am loving it as well. I completely agree. I've found it completely the opposite of a dry history book. Uh, and I've been uh, enchanted and love being in this in this world um, and eating a little bit of crow for the times that I said I was sick of reading about Targaryens and stuff because I, I'm actually really enjoying it. That said, I am not very far into it as all, at all. Life has gotten in the way. Um, Magor's still alive where I'm reading, so... It's uh, it's slow going, but the dark times. Slow and steady wins the race. Yep. All right. Well, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of little stuff in there. Um, that's that's just been a lot of fun, and hopefully we'll jump back and be able to talk some more about that later when we finish that book. Uh, okay. Time time to jump in. I think so. We are spoiler free until the end of the podcast. When we'll jump into Davos After Dark, we will warn you with Matt's uh, little jingle. And uh, so, if you don't want spoilers, jump out then. But, uh, yeah, stick around for fun, spoilery stuff if you do. And if you want to contact us, you know, our favorite thing besides talking to each other is talking to all of you. So reach out to us. You can find us, of course, at DavosFingers.com. Our email address is WeAreDavosFingers at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle, where we spend most of our time, is at DavosFingers. We are on Facebook, and you can learn more about our Patreon program at Patreon.com slash DavosFingers. That's right. Without further ado, let's just dive right on into it. I think uh, I think that's you, Matt, uh, with the first section. Tis, it is, it is. Okay, opening the mystery night. Here Yay. we go. I've been walking for a thousand miles, wasn't getting anywhere soon. One man die and another tell a lie It all led me back to you Dreams and schemes and honor bloodstreams The things that'll carry us through well, I've been waiting on a dream these days Sure didn't think it'd be you well, I've been living in a dream these days That 
wouldn't be the same without you. Leaving Stony Sept, Duncan Egg can't help but notice the rotting head impaled on a spike above the city gates. Egg realizes before Dunk who the head belonged to, a hunchbacked old Septon who they had encountered not three days ago and who'd been preaching against Lord Bloodraven, saying the king's hand and rumored sorcerer was responsible for the deaths in the royal family and all the troubles in the kingdom, and that knights and lords needed to rise up against him. Treasonous talk, to be sure. Any wonder that this would happen to the man railing against he who had a thousand eyes and one? Anyway, six days later... Duncan Egg, accompanied by Thunder the War Horse, Maester the Mule, and Rain, the beautiful horse gifted to Egg by Rowan Weber, uh, they all find themselves approaching the river, which they'll have to ferry across on their way north to see the wall and hopefully find lords in need of their services. Money is tight for the pair, and as they debate whether a hot meal and a bed at the nearby inn is worth the cost, they are overtaken by another party, this one much larger, led by two lordlings joyfully riding ahead of the pack. Uh, There's another lord, and grooms, cooks, men-at-arms, a large retinue for what looks like three knights, Dunk thinks. Anyways, this older lord, noticing Dunk, accuses him of being a robber knight, referring to the shield Dunk is carrying, one he'd acquired by necessity recently and that sported a man hanging from his gallows. Not what Dunk would prefer to have on his shield, but his options were a bit limited and he hadn't found the time to get it repainted, so just give him a break. Anyways, the two lordlings who'd ridden ahead, they ride back to Dunk and Egg and the accusatory lord. One of the two is equally dismissive of Dunk, but the other is friendly. Introducing his friend as Alan Cockshaw and himself as John the Fiddler, his sigil appears to be two swords quartered by two fiddles, He asks Dunk if they are also headed to Lord Butterwell's wedding tourney at Whitewalls. Dunk hadn't gotten the evite to that tourney, and although it sounds intriguing, especially considering John the Fiddler's pleasant disposition, he turns down the offer to join them. They've got places to go, you know. North isn't going to be there forever, or is it? Anyways, the, the two parties part ways amicably enough, with the larger group riding ahead in the same direction as Duncan Egg to the ferry. And it's after they are out of earshot that Egg reveals that the older lord of the three was Gorman Peak of Starfall. Three castles adorn his, uh, his shield, but the family only has one remaining after they lost the other two as punishment for supporting the Black Dragon during the Blackfire Rebellion. Dunk then recalls Arlen of Pennytree, telling Dunk years ago that his former squire before Dunk, who's his nephew Roger, was killed by a mace-wielding knight with three castles on his shield. Lord Gorman? Hmm. Anyways, that's old news. Back to Lord Butterwell and his wedding. A lord who had tried to support both the Targaryens and Blackfires during the rebellion by sending sons to fight for both sides, and 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 the same guy had even served as hand for King Darren for a short time. Lord Butterwell lived at White Walls, and it was on the way to the King's Road, which they needed to get on to go north anyways. 
Couldn't they consider stopping by just to fill their bellies, Dunk suggests? I mean, the wall has been there for 8,000 years. It could last a little bit longer without them. Plus, maybe they could find some work while they were there at White Walls, escorting someone back up north or something. I don't know. And you know what? As a matter of fact, while we all know what happened the last time Dunk entered a tourney, maybe it's time for him to give it another go. You know, if he could win even two ransoms, they could eat like kings for a year, he and Egg could. Anyways, they arrive at the ferry and its accompanying inn at sunset, after the ferry has unfortunately already made its last run for the day. There is no room for them at the inn, <laughs> because it's oh, Christmas time, get it? Why I said that? Oh, timing. Yeah. So it looks like another night of uh, salt beef for dinner and a roof of stars over their heads. That's the end of this section. Yeah, that that tavern owner needs a bad Yelp review. Oh yeah, I didn't cover it in the old uh, in the old summary there, but she wasn't too too <laughs> nice. No, no. Dunk asks for food, and she's like, no. No, I'm full up, and I'm not gonna have my guests starving. And she's just kind of, she's kind of uh-huh. mean about the whole thing. Yeah, eh, give her the benefit of the doubt. She's probably stressed out, but she's probably stressed. And 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 uh, on one side of it, she probably needs to be a little bit callous and a little bit hard yeah. sometimes. You know, is running an inn. On the other hand, if the customer's willing to pay, feed them. Yeah, yeah. Says but he's I. like. He's like really needling her. He's like, we don't need the neeps. How, what, do you, what do you charge if we don't have the neeps? <laughs> you're actually, you're right. What is a neep, by uh, the way? I don't know. This is this is my lack of quality knowledge around food. I feel like it's an onion type, but I could be wrong about that. A turnip. Oh, hmm. A turnip and an onion. I mean, they're the same thing. The turnip night. Yeah. I would, I would pass on the... <laughs> On the neeps as well. (laughs) You keep your neeps. Give me some cow. That's right. That's right. Uh, Anyways. So, uh, what what do you think of the idea of Dunk entering attorney? Um, Well, we know what Egg thought of it. I didn't cover that in my summary. He was pretty skeptical, and I can't help but agree with the young man. Yeah. Just doesn't feel like it would be a good idea. Yeah, Dunk, Dunk says, maybe it's time I tried again. And what Egg says, it's not, sir. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and I can't remember if it's now or in one of the future sections, but he's like, I've been practicing. Yeah, yeah it's later, <laughs> but that's fine. And yeah, it, it's it's kind of a weird thing. How do you? It's not something you can easily practice. I mean, no. you can ride at rings, right? But it does. It's not the same. Yeah, and it said that sometimes, like if they happen to be at a place that had a quintain, right. you know, Dunk would sometimes take a run at right. it, you know. But but doesn't yeah? yeah what can you really no, do? No, and you know, it's a weird thing for a knight, you know, just kind of. Uh, hmm. echoing just like our own economic times, maybe like for somebody that's rich already, there's no risk in riding in the joust because you just get new armor, right? The Lords, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, but for a hedge knight, they're risking everything, right? And so you can't just go in and be like, 
you know what, if I lose, it was it was lessons well learned and it'll make me better for next time. It's like, well, no, your life is over. <laughs> you no longer have a horse and armor, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of a rough, it's kind of a rough gig. Yeah, it really is. As always, it seems like we're favoring the, uh, the rich, yeah. right? We should be eating them instead. Whatever. Kiwi the rich, some Aerosmith. good tune hey oh you know that tune you know what i have very few songs in my notes this time so i didn't thank have you. i didn't have that it just happened but those are yeah. the best kind right the <sighs> so time wise this occurs um fairly soon after uh the sworn sword sworn sword, sword. uh right we're still in 211 ac yeah. so Within the same year. Yeah, actually. in fact, you're you're there in the middle of a summer rain, and you wonder if it's the same summer rain that they left that they left <laughs> in, right? Um, kind of the same mm-hmm. storm or the same you know series of, of weeks of storms that are maybe off and on. But uh, yeah, I mean, he just replaced the shield that the long inch hacked apart. So it's yeah, it's been not long. Right and. And the only clue uh, that we have of what they've been doing, unless I miss something, is that they are just leaving Stony Sept, and we don't know if they had finished up some service there, if they were just passing through, or what. But uh, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, at the end of Sworn's Ward, they had kind of decided to go north. Um, Stony Sept mm-hmm. is kind of on the way uh, from where they were, right. um, so it's possible they were just kind of on their way. Um, possible they found some quick diversion to 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 put some food in their bellies or something too yeah we don't really know all right we do know they're short on cash right now yeah. so one might think that they haven't been doing they do have that nice piece uh, of working. chicken garnet though in their favor they do <laughs> yep well what they're gonna do that but it's there hidden hidden away in yeah. the old boot all right uh what uh, do you want? Do you want to talk about uh, where where this inn is and where White Walls is? I did a little research, right? If we want to suck and mm-hmm. Mapas for White Walls, um, it's a little bit you gotta you gotta kind of piece together little pieces of information to get there, right? So one of the pieces you have is that Dunk says it's been six days since the rain stopped, right? And it's hot and sweaty and and gross. And uh, they've they've been traveling from, from Stony, Stony Sept, Sept, right? And mm-hmm. you know that it that he hasn't bathed because he talks about how nice it will be to get to the God's Eye, so that he and we all know how much, how much yeah Dunk's not going to give it Dunk right. He's not going to waste an opportunity if he happened to come to a river. Which thank you leads me to the next point. They don't. I don't think they've crossed the God's Eye River yet. So, mm-hmm. so agree. they're before the God's Eye River. So at most, if you get out your map, and I used I used the Galanix map for a lot of this. If you guys have never been to the Galanix map, we recommend it highly. It allows you to do things like hit control and drag with a mouse and see how far away things are. Um, Just Google Galanix, a Song of Ice yeah, and Fire map. G A L A N I X, 
a song of ice and fire mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll get it we'll get it quick um but uh and I, and I love that thing but uh so so that puts them kind of on the western side of the god's eye river at the bottom i assume and the other hints you get um well they're a little bit later but it implies that white walls is roughly halfway between maiden pool and uh king's landing king's landing right. mm-hmm. um so so i th- i think white walls is just kind of on the eastern side of the river just as it kind of starts to arc up of kind of if you think that thing is the oval kind of just as it starts to arc up toward toward being on the long side of the oval is where i think it is that puts right. it about equidistant from the two a little bit closer to maiden pool the problem with all of that is so, that, so that's where i think white walls is to answer the suck and zeus mappas is kind of right on the underside of that as it curves up the problem with that is that is a hell of a long ferry ride i on the, again i control control click that on the galanix map and it's 45 miles across that lake from the base of where the, the river meets the bottom of the god's eye uh and 45 miles on a pole boat is gonna be and he's making, and he's multiple, making multiple trips trips. i mean that's yeah. so i so i didn't know how to measure pole boat speed there's not a little pole boats around anymore but i just looked up like canoe trips right and like kind of a a, a good not leisurely but not like sprinting pace in a canoe is like three miles per hour if you were really hoofing it, you could maybe do six. But that's in a canoe, okay. right? So 45 miles across, let's say you can do six. That's like a seven and a half hour trip. One way. Right, which is not which is One way. Yeah. Which is, yeah. there's no way they're going that fast on a pole boat with horses and litters and all that stuff on it. Right. So in any event, I know sometimes people hate when I do this. So I'm sorry that I've dwelled on this. But basically bs on if 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 these things are where i think they are and i think they kind of have to be for the rest of the story to make sense based on what they've told us uh that pull boat trip is going to be a lot longer than they're telling us it is but it's okay it's a story just enjoy it it's fine anyway i still think white walls is roughly where i told you it was i i came to that conclusion too kind of on that east side there and, cool yeah um i was hoping for a hot minute that the inn was actually the crossroads inn. But, <laughs> wrong wrong yeah, end of the god's eye. North. Yeah, that'd be north of it. Yeah. But Oh well. Yeah, it's uh yeah, we don't get a name for it. It's funny because George is usually so he's so interested in like giving the names and like coming up with a little history for the name for the inns and all that stuff. Right. It's kinda of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so this wasn't the first time we've heard Gorman Peak's name. Yes, Although the Lord of Star Pike. It's close uh, to the first time we've heard of him. Um, but uh, Sir Eustace mentioned him back in Sworn Sword. Sworn Sword, he did. Yeah. As as uh, he called them, some of the most noble company that anyone could ever be in. and yeah. And a hero, along with... Such men as Fireball and Bittersteel and other well known names from the Blackfire Rebellion. Yeah, so. and you don't you don't wanna you don't wanna judge him, you know, too harshly just from this one encounter. You know, you hate to kill people over one encounter, but he's kind of a dick to dunk. Absolutely. 
And already having the history, knowing that Sir Eustace thinks he's a hell of a guy. <laughs> Makes one I'm go. Will- <laughs> I'm, will- I'm willing to write him off right now. <laughs> so, yeah. You gonna treat Dunk that way and Sir Eustace liked you? I'm out. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but apparently in any case, he, he's a seasoned fighter who's held in regard by at least one senile old man. So take Indeed. that for what it's worth. Indeed. What uh, what did you think about this fiddler? What a nice guy. What a nice what, gentleman. What a breath of fresh air. Yes. In such a wicked, sad world. Indeed. He seems like a good fella, mm-hmm. even contradicting his friends for us, you know, to stand up for a stranger on the road. Mm-hmm. I love it when he's like, tell Dunk you're sorry. Tell this man you're sorry. And the guy's like, sorry. And then he walks away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He still obeys. Yeah. And he's, it's weird because he's, you know, hanging out with Gorman Peak, the Lord of Starpike, one of the finest men around, according to Sir Eustace, mm-hmm. and another, another Lordy Lord. And yet he's kind of the one that seems in charge. He's the one kind of... Right. He's the one kind of pulling, you know, pulling the strings, it feels like, in that conversation. You at know, some, making the other guy apologize. And At some point he calls Gorman Gormy. Yes. Times, so. Yes. <laughs> Which is not a good nickname. No, Try it's really again. Not. It reminds me of, like, Wormy. Yeah. Or, it's not good. Not, not good. Yeah. Uh... But it's interesting, you know, he claims he's a hedge knight. Uh, hedge knight giving orders to these fine lords is weird. He's also dressed really nicely. Yeah, and Dunk, Dunk, you know, when he first when he first sees him, he describes him as a lordling. He looks yes. lordly. So, And he later in his thoughts calls him uh, the knight of the golden hedge, I think. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's thinking about him. Because mm-hmm. of how, how well he's dressed. Right. But, uh... Yeah, a fine a fine man asks Dunk to join them. Claims that he, you know, is interested in Dunk. Seems like a good guy. Interested to test his sword against Dunk. Kind yeah. of a... He just seems like a, one of those guys that just kind of lives life to the fullest, maybe, this fiddler. Yeah. Hmm. To play some... Devil went down to Georgia. He's that good. Mm-hmm. Fiddler. <laughs> Now you asked for it. Now I'm just going to fill this thing with music references. With music. Now. Yeah, this is your time. <laughs> it's, it's my time. It's my time down here. <laughs> it was Goonies. That was Goonies. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else you got here? Young swords are worth more than old names. Oh. I like that the fiddler said that. Yes. It's a good line. Uh, and it means a lot. We'll just leave it there for yeah. now. But we want strong men. Young swords are worth more than old names. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean he's basically like recruiting Dunk here, right? It feels like, like hey, he's recruiting us. him for something. Join us. Come on. We there could you use know. your we could use your arm. Your sword yeah. arm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh I, I guess maybe the only other thing to talk about is is the opening, maybe? With the with the septon and the that's the weird, right? It is weird. Um, it's it's uh, odd to see a member of the faith just 
you know, beheaded. But but it, as as Dunk notes, every word he was speaking was treason. Um, you know, they he they have an interesting conversation he and Egg about. Um, you know, do you go cutting off people's heads for treason or not? And um, you know, when it's when it's somebody when it's somebody in the faith, like a leader like that, especially reading Fire and Blood recently, and how much kind of control they had early on in the game. You know, you kind of worry about those guys getting getting out of control and preaching against the government. So I'm not that surprised that this is the stance they take for that sort of talk. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, you've got what Dunk said during that conversation. Uh, if we start cutting off the heads of all the fools and liars, half the towns in the Seven Kingdoms will be empty. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, He's right. Uh, Th- and Thanos will cheer. And Thanos will cheer. <laughs> Spoilers for Avengers if you haven't seen it. Yeah, we'll just do that. Snap. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if things are getting out of hand, uh, Blood Raven appears to be the type of the little that we've learned about him so far that will uh, not afraid to make an example of someone. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's also it's also a little weird that this Septon, if he truly believes all this stuff he's spouting about Blood Raven and the dark arts and all the things he's capable of, it's a little weird that he's saying all these things. Mm-hmm. If he really believes them. Because he would believe that Blood Raven would hear them and have him executed or yeah. you know, turned into a pig or something. And either he's not afraid to die. Yeah. Or yeah, he thinks that the cause means more than his life or something. I don't know. That... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got a little more on the on the Septon that we'll we'll keep for Davos after dark, but uh, it's it's a little interesting, right? Um, and just to tie the three books together, one maybe important thing to note is every single one of these seemingly more lighthearted books in the Song of Ice and Fire world start out with a death. Yes. Right, or at least yes. coming upon scenes of death. We had yes. Ar- burying Arlen and uh, Hedge Knight, right? And Sworn Sword was the two gentlemen two. in the crow's cage thing. Well, gentlemen is a little presumptuous, but I know who you mean. <laughs> well, we don't know. They could have been fine I mean, fellows. We kind of know one of them was eating the other one. Not too gentlemanly. <laughs> but who am I to judge? I've never been starving. Maybe one of them was the gentleman, and he's like, you can have a bite. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Matt. That's why I love you. Just always on the bright side with your takes. You look hungry. Why don't you have a, a taste? Not there. Not there. Oh, right the there. The meaty part. Yeah, there you go. There you Yeah, yeah. And then we've got the septed with his head on the spike. All right. Uh, I, think I, I think we're good, man. You good? Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Uh, all right, moving to section two, Horus Sun Hero's Blood. Here we go. Duncan Egg find the aforementioned Hedge Knights settled down in for the evening amongst a chopped down weirwood grove. The uh, proprietor of the inn had pointed her down that way, and there are some Hedge Knights down there already. They meet three of them Sir Kyle, the Cat of Mistymore, Sir Glennon Ball, and Sir Maynard Plum. Apparently, a distant relation to the noble House Plums. All are hedge knightish, equipped well enough, but in no real finery. Together they join in a feast of salt beef soaked in helmet water, apples and pickled eggs and onions, not to mention a skin of bad wine. Eat your heart out, Brooke. 
Of course, with dinner you get conversation. First, regarding the Butterwells. This Maynard Plum fella has not so high opinion of the hosts of this wedding and tourney. Their wealth comes from cows, and they're still holding their lands only because they took both sides in the Blackfire Rebellion. The current lord is heirless and needs this marriage to another ignoble house to try and keep his line alive. Sir Glendon Ball notes that he deserves to die heirless, as the warrior hates cravens. At this, Dunk notes the young lad, no more than sixteen in his estimation, and digs a little bit deeper, asking how long he has been a knight. About six months is the answer, and I'll just read a little bit here. Half a year when the moon turns. I was knighted by Sir Morgan Dunstable of Tumblr's Falls. Two dozen people saw it, but I have been trained for knighthood since I was born. I rode before I walked and knocked down a grown man's tooth out of his head before I lost any of my own. I mean to make my name at White Walls and claim the dragon's egg. Where the fuck did that voice come from? Sometimes you guys... <laughs> I don't know where they come from. <laughs> anyway, that's it's like, right. It's like that Russian accent I tried to do one time. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, you made him sound right. sufficiently bullheaded. All right, good. That's what I was going for. Good boy. That's right. A dragon's egg, if you missed among the bad accent. Uh, the main piece of that that's important is there's a dragon's egg as the prize for this tourney. Butterwell was given it by Aegon IV, the unworthy, in exchange for getting to have his way, Aegon IV's way, with his, Butterwell's, three young daughters. Three more future legitimized bastards, probably. So, Glennon is there to win. Dunk is there really just for a meal, and maybe to win a couple lances and increase their fortune. Sir Kyle admits he is there in hopes of entering the service of a lord he had a history with. He made Lord Joffrey Cas Caswell his first sword when he was a boy, and he hopes to join his service now as well. When Dunk claims he's planning to head north to fight for the Starks against the Kraken, Sir Maynard implies he should join the Lannisters instead, and Sir Kyle can't help but take a swipe at the crown that sits on its laurels instead of taming the Greyjoys itself. But Egg holds his tongue, as Kyle blames Bloodraven for the woes of Westeros, even claiming that many would love to see the return of bitter steel. But when Sir Kyle claims that Maker or Bloodraven will slay Rhaegal, their brother, to get the throne, Egg can't hold it in any longer. Prince Makar is Prince Rhaegal's brother. He loves him well. He'd never do harm to him or his. Ding! Timer's done on the salt beef, saving Abe from his own mouth. But the drama doesn't end there. With Kyle the Cat again proving the instigator, telling a story about his heroics against the traitorous Blackfire men. Sir Glendon Ball won't suffer that. His dad fought for the Black Dragon. Oh, jeez. Next, we get the Sir Eustace better man argument from Sir Glendon in defense of the Blacks. It's one of those moments where any wrong move might cause a fight. Gunfighters, fingers twitching, itching, waiting to draw. So Dunk the Conciliator steps in. There were brave men on both sides, he insists. And things calm down a bit, allowing Sir Glendon to claim that his father was the famous Quentin Fireball Ball. Fireball Ball. The next morning they have to wait again, as more lords need the fairy first. As they wait, Dunk and Egg talk about the dragon's eggs. Dunk admitting that he'd like to see one. Egg offers to show him his egg, but it's at Summer Hall, so, you know, no dice. Dunk is aghast. You have a dragon's egg? But Egg informs him there are lots of dragon's eggs around, and further, that the dragons will return. His brother Darren dreamed it and Egg wants it badly to happen. Dunk is not convinced and shifts his focus to Glennon Ball, asking Egg about his father. Quentin, 
Glendon's supposed father, had been the master at arms training many a prince and aspired to be Kingsguard himself. He was passed over, though, and many claim he had as big a hand as Bittersteel in convincing Damon to take up the sword. He was killed in unspectacular fashion getting a drink at the stream. The fairy has arrived, and thank God, because we can move away from all this small talk. And that's the end of the section. You know, Quentin would drive, or Glendon, excuse me, this young Sir Glendon, would drive me nuts, but I kind of admire him. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, he's he's one of those guys that just, he knows what he's about and he sticks to it. Yeah, and he's so probably a, gotten pushed around his whole life. Yeah. And, and bullied. bullied. He just yep. kind of stayed right at it. And he pushes yeah. back. Yeah. Yep, yep. You know, there are two ways to respond to that kind of life. And uh, he's choosing the, he's choosing to keep fighting. And as annoying as he is, and he's plenty annoying, and he'll become more annoying as the story goes on. <laughs> Uh, I kind of admire the kid, you know. Yeah, I don't. You know, I, I no, I'm not sure I would have picked the word annoying had you not said it. But yeah, he's a little irksome. Yeah, like yeah, he gets under your skin a little bit with his just kind of his no nonsense, no tact, no kind of backing down from any sort of statement. But well, I knocked uh, it, I knocked the dude's teeth out before I lost yeah. any teeth. <laughs> Right. All right. Like, whatever, man. Yeah. He's building his own legend. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. So how about the Butterwells, huh? They're really something, eh? Yeah. I mean, Rich from Cows. Mm-hmm. Cool, I guess. That's they sound good. kind of self-made. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they sound a little self-made. He's got and... their cows together and, and made something of themselves. You know what's interesting? There is, and there's something to be said about being a self-made man. And you know, Glendon calls them a coward. Uh Uh, But when you've worked so hard to get somewhere, and then two lords decide that they're going to fight each other, and you have to pick a side, and you're like, "Damn it! I, I don't. I worked hard for this." You know what? You're right. I didn't think of it that way. I didn't think of it either until just now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but look but at us hearing... giving like we're giving like all sorts of benefits of the doubt tonight yeah we must be in like the christmas spirit or something like that well my christmas spirit generally is sour uh i like actual christmas but the prep to christmas just it's exhausting it knocks me on my ass and yeah. i hate it i'm not gonna lie yeah christmas day is nice it's lovely it's with family and the kids are they light up like crazy, and it's great, but I'm not... As great as it is, I'm not sure it's worth all of the... Okay, we should move on. Sorry, I'm bringing it down. Way down. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in fact, can we give a little little Lord Butterwell history? Is that all right? Sure, go for it. Yeah, he, what do you he, got? He was briefly the hand of the king, this Lord Butterwell, who's getting married. Was indeed. Uh, to King Darren, still alive in the Hedge Knight. Yes. Of course, died in the spring sickness. Um, but his ability to lead was questioned when he failed to effectively, in the king's eyes and the eyes of others, quash the Blackfire Rebellion as it was starting. So he was um, replaced shortly before the Battle of the Redgrass Field and sent home packing. So uh, there is some... 
maybe a little bit of shame there, right? A little bit of a tarnished reputation. Yeah, he had a job took, and seemed to and, fail in it. And who took his place? A Lord Hayford. Lord Hayford. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so yeah, the Butterwells, uh, you know, as 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 much benefit the doubt as we're giving him, uh, he's still a dope. I mean, he gave away three of his daughters in one night to the king. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, I know. I know the king is not really to be denied. Could but he really say no? I don't right. know. It feels like... Uh, maybe you can't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't live in, you know, a monarchy like that. But it, but it, but it feels like he could do something. Well, there's that phrase that's oft used in these books. There are lords and there are lords. And yeah. I'd say there are kings and there are kings. And yeah. Aegon IV seems like the type of king that that wasn't going to be denied. Yeah, he's pretty so. awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, fine, fine. Ugh. I'll back off. You're giving him even more benefit of the doubt. I'll back off on Butterwell. Fine. Easy. Yeah, but come the next section, I'm not going to back off. I wouldn't ask you to. Okay. Lay into the guy. <laughs> I'll hold him down for you. Uh, what do you What do you think of uh, Sir Kyle and his just his strong opinions? I mean, he just speaks them with, you know, about about uh, being willing to do kinslaying and, like, it feels... Okay, so, I guess... Well, there's a lot here. <laughs> the black-red thing. Let's start with the black-red thing. Okay. So, this must happen all the time. Yeah, and it's I, amazing I, that it's still such a big deal, right? Well... Maybe not amazing. Yes, yes and but... no. I mean... Half, literally, almost half the people were on the losing side. Uh huh. But it was I mean, fifteen years ago, sixteen years ago. Right? It was, but but you know uh, what? Oh, geez, nine eleven are a comparable thing, maybe. I don't know. I, like those kinds of events, they leave indelible marks, right? I mean, you like you you don't ever forget the kind of things that were going on at that time in your life, right? Yeah, and especially when most of us, them are still alive, the veterans and stuff like that. I'd imagine, you know, civil war here in the United States. There's right, you know, and the 1870s, well, seventies, it would still feel that way. So yeah, right. So you know, like nine eleven for me was, uh, you know, just to, to keep that parallel going for a minute. This is not in my notes. I'm just freewheeling it here, but you know, for me, it was a distant thing that happened that shook the country that you know made me second guess a lot of things that i thought i believed but it was still a very a, a very uh distant thing for me i was not i was not personally involved i knew nobody directly involved it was it was a very third party thing for me mm-hmm. but there are people for sure that 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 is not the case i saw a musical uh recently about the displaced some of the displaced people whose flights got rerouted um, to a Canadian town, excellent musical called "From uh, Come From Away." I recommend it to anybody. It was very moving. But uh, you know, there are people that were very much affected by by that. You know, to the degree of losing loved ones, and they're still affected, obviously today, right? They probably think about that still every day of their lives. Sure. And and the Blackfire Rebellion is the same way, in a sense, other than the fact that you know these people chose to to, to be involved in this, right? Um, 
But when they came back, they had to give up heirs. Most of, many of them lost heirs in the battle. They lost lands. They lost, you know, their lives were forever impacted by this. Sure. And mm-hmm. just going around talking about it so casually and just offending people, because literally it's almost half the people, you're just going to be offending people. Like, I can't imagine doing that. You're running a huge risk of just offending half the people you're talking to, right? Yep. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Nothing to add. And everyone will have an opinion. Yeah. Everyone seems to to think something. It's you know, it's here's here's what it is. I'll make it easy. Sorry. It's it's like you just don't talk about religion around a mixed company that you know is a mixed company, right? It's just a it's a loaded topic. Nobody wants to get into it. I'm this, you're that, you believe this, I believe that. You just stay away from it, right? With people you don't know well. Just to, you know, there's no reason that Kyle should be bringing this up. Yep. Without, because he's going to cause a problem. And and I have nothing to back this up. But he strikes me as the type that he, he'll talk big like this in front of, like, other hedge knights. But if he were ever in front of a lord <laughs> yeah. or something, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would just wilt. I don't know. Well, he does. Even when little Glendon Ball challenges him, he kind of wilts, right? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like he just maybe maybe he just misjudged. He looked around the room and he's like, "Yeah, this this is a safe group. I'll tell the story about how I crushed Blackfires." Uh huh. Hmm. Not that easy. All right, we'll move on. You got uh, you got anything on Sir Maynard? He's fascinating. Yeah. Um, let's see. Quick-witted. Is this the section where Dunk... Yeah, Dunk says he feels... He's got a bad feeling about him, though. Uh, it's the... I think it's the top of the next section. All right. Or... Or no, no, no. No, it is this section. Yeah, I didn't leave it. I didn't put it in my summary, but it is this section. Yeah. Yeah. Dunk's like, I don't know how I feel about this guy. Yeah, but. good intuition, perhaps. Uh-huh. Yeah, he seems kind of uh, he's the guy. He's the guy that's like, while all this big talk is happening, he's just kind of sitting back and taking notes. Yep, <laughs> just kind of like watching. Yeah, he'll he'll uh, kind of throw out kind of a, a smart remark here and there, yes. but like he he doesn't seem to like actually take a side or anything. Yeah, but... I mean, he was pretty. He was pretty. You know, took the Butterwells to task. And uh-huh. gave that history, but beyond that, yeah, you're right. Just kind of sitting back and, yeah, throw some things out here and there. So all yeah. in all, an interesting group that Dunks yes. uh, Duncan Egg have found sure. themselves. And it's it's interesting though to see kind of the dynamic between Hedge Knights, right? Which I don't yeah. know if I'm trying to look back, and I don't know if we've really explored that too much. I guess a little bit. Right throughout these novellas, well, not much. Uh, I mean, um, you had you know, in, you had Dunk in, with Bennis. Um, yeah. In the Hedge Knight, he spends most of his time with Ryan and other lords. Right? With actual, yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw the life of the Hedge Knight through Dunk, but it was all him going out of his comfort zone to, yeah, be in the presence of these lords. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was this is kind of interesting. This this little fireside sit down sharing their food, and it's kind of like just kind of an understanding that everyone kind of brings something to the table and y'all share, and yeah. and uh, 
Yeah, Shades of Brienne with uh, with those jeez, uh, I've gotten. I won't get their names, but uh, those hedge knights that she joins on her way north, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. So yeah. just interesting to get that get that look. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't have much else, but uh, I did want to talk about. They talk about the eggs, the dragon eggs. Yeah. And, you know, reading A Song of Ice and Fire, you, you you get the sense that Danny's eggs are, I mean, they're the eggs. Like, that's, there aren't others, right? But Egg paints a picture here that they're all over the place. Right. And, you know, this is 80 years earlier or whatever, 85. Um, but there could be, I mean, dozens I don't. I don't. I don't even think. I don't think a dozen is too is too many to say there could be. He talks about how you know there are, in Fire and Blood they mentioned too. There are several clutches around. He talks about you know his brothers have them, and there's more on Dragonstone. Yeah, the last dragon left a clutch of five, but yeah, there's there's many more. I think if even Prince Makar's kids and Prince Makar was fourth in the line of succession, and all yeah. of his kids get dragon eggs, right. Then you gotta think, you had yeah. Darren's kids and Rhaegal's kids who would all get them, and well, and and Aegon Four is just giving them away. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like you know, like they're you get the sense they're not like this asset to be protected from from. I mean, Aegon Four was an awful ruler, but you know, like they've got them hanging around. Yeah, but at the same time, it's still considered kind of a kingly gift, right? It's. Oh sure. If you got yeah. a dragon egg, that's a big deal. But yeah, there's not just three of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm. I'm not saying there's going to be more dragons, but it's but and maybe other people in the fandom were already here. But for me, I always just figured those are the three dragons we're going to get. And yeah. there, you know, there was always talk about Stannis and raising stone dragons and you know things like that. And maybe that's a possibility. But I never. I always just figured it's going to be the three, and that's it. And. You know, but but this this implies there really could be more, and you know maybe maybe Aegon gets his own, or you know whatever. Yeah, and maybe with this this huge focus on Targaryen history and stuff, George is trying to prep yeah. us for an event like that. Or yes, suddenly, I have lots of thoughts on that. Suddenly, eggs start cracking everywhere. Yeah, yeah, lots of thoughts on that. Cool. Uh, you got anything else in this section? I don't think so. Uh, I do love George's little his his imagery in this. Is he's such a great writer, and I he it's is. so on display in these little stories. But like uh, when uh, you talked about it, when when Egg finally pipes up and says something, yeah, and they're kind of dissing on Maycar, and Dunk tells him to stop. Uh, and then he's saved by the, as you said, the salt beef. Um, George will say something like, "Eggs shaven head shone redly in the firelight." Oh, as yeah. Dunk tells him to stop defending the crown, right? Uh huh. Like, shone redly. Uh, Targaryen being their colors being their primary color being red, but his shaven head is what's shining out. It's Dunk telling him, "Quiet, hide behind the shaved head." Yes, you know, but the red is still trying to get out in the firelight, yes. and yeah, it's a nice little bit. It's little things like that that just make me smile. I didn't so. pick that up. That's nice. 
All right. You want to go to part three? Let's do it, man. Okay. All right. So having arrived at White Walls, Dunk is seated between Kyle the Cat and Maynard Plum, well below the salt with the other hedge knights. At least we're in the great hall, Dunk reasons, thinking of Egg, forced to eat with the other squires in the inner yard outside. Below the salt? It's okay for Dunk. Not so much for Glendon Ball, though, who puts up quite the stink when he isn't allowed to sit closer to the dais, uh, which he argues he should be seated closer because of who his father is. Do you know who my father is? He eventually settles for a seat with his companions of the hedge, where they feast on decent appetizers and wine uh, and talk about the upcoming tilts and potential prizes. They they kind of have a new chatting companion in a fella named Sir Uthor Underleaf, attorney knight, and as he describes himself, a son of no one of importance. So anyways, it's not long before Lord Butterwell, 50 and jowled, enters with his sprightly 15 years young bride and a retinue of other lords. Then the toasts start. First to Lord Butterwell, and everyone drinks. Next to the newly styled Lady Butterwell, and everyone's drinks. Er, everyone drinks. Then to the king's hand, Lord Bloodraven. And half, about half of the people, either don't drink or overturn their glasses in disgust. I do not drink to kinslayers. Glendon declares, but Dunk is is wary, acutely aware of that famous expression, how many eyes does Lord Bloodraven have? A thousand eyes in one. Anyways, toast follows toast, and Dunk, on the advice of old Sir Arlen to never refuse a cup of wine as you never know when you're going to get another, finds himself in an increasing state of inebriation. Uh, During all this, dinner is finally served... The jousting competition is discussed some more, and John the Fiddler even descends from the dais where he was seated to sit with Duncan Co., where he claims that he will be the champion of the tournament, a claim that Sir Glendon Ball heartily disagrees with. Now, as the wedding pie is brought forth, stuffed to the brim with a variety of live birds, Dunk takes his leave needing to relieve himself of the wine that had now made its way through his system. So tipsy and fumbling around in the dark outside, Dunk finally settles on some bushes to water beneath a flight of stairs. As he's making said water, he hears a door open above him on the stairs, and then he hears two voices speaking in earnest. I'm just going to read to you what they said. Uh... Dunk heard footfalls on the steps, the scrape of boots on stone. A beggar's feast you've laid before us, without bitter steel. Bitter steel be buggered, insisted a familiar voice. No bastard can be trusted, not even him. A few victories will bring him over the water fast enough. Lord Peak. Hmm, Dunk holds his breath and his piss. More on that later. Easier to speak of victories than win them says the other speaker. He has a deeper voice. Old Milkblood expected the boy to have it, and so will all the rest. Glib words and charm cannot make up for that. Uh, Dragonwood? 
The prince insists the dragon will hatch. He dreamed it, just as he once dreamed his brothers dead. A living dragon will win us all the swords that we would want. A dragon is one thing, a dream's another. I promise you, Lord Bloodraven is not off dreaming. We need a warrior, not a dreamer. Is the boy his father's son? Just do your part as promised, and let me concern myself with that. Once we have Butterwell's gold and the swords of House Frey, Harrenhal will follow then the Brackens. Otho knows he cannot hope to stand. And the two voices fade off as the speakers move away. And Dunk, confused as ever, nearly shouts after them, but thinks better of it due to the, the state he's in. So filing the conversation away, he returns to the festivities in the Great Hall. The music is blaring, jugglers are juggling, tumblers are tumbling, the wine is flowing, and a troop of painted dwarves are making a scene of chasing Lord Butterwell's fool around and beating him with inflated pig's bladders. Everyone's favorite sight to see. It says Dunk is watching young Walder Frey, the toddler son of Lord Frey, join in on the fun with the dwarves, that Sir Maynard Plum reveals to Dunk that the newly married Lady Frey is not as quote-unquote pure as one might think. She'd been caught making the two-backed beast, that's what Maynard describes it as, the two-backed beast, Love it. with a kitchen scullion at the twins. Young Walder, who'd been wandering the castle at the time, happened upon them. Uh, and so much for that clandestine relationship. But wait! The m maybe more than half-drunk think drunk dunk thinks. Why would a lord of high standing like Lord Butterwell marry a quote-unquote bespoiled girl from a house not all that much more important than his own? And give a rare dragon egg away as prize in the tournament celebrating the union? What? It's all too much for Dunk right now. And he lays his head down right there at the table in the middle of the party for a little rest. And that's the end of this section. Yeah, a little rest. Those little rests, though, when you're drunk, they don't help. Really? No, not, no. You need a big rest. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we'll he, see. He could, we'll, he could we'll have gone to bed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. He should have gone to bed. Yep. Uh, yeah. Nothing comes from a little nap and then, like, re-engaging. Right. Uh, man, lots lots going on. Yeah. The, and The two-backed beast. The two-backed beast. Term. I looked it I, up, and it's a it's a term that's been used. Oh, it's a term. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd never it's heard amazing. it before. Oh yeah, there's a movie. I don't remember. Somebody with a gruff voice. Make the t yeah, it's yeah. I've heard it. <laughs> I love that term. Can't I can't think of the movie. But the the imagery that it evokes is just yeah. tantalizing. Yes. I, yeah, let's move on. Uh, if you want. Yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> so, you, your Dunk is asking why, why, why would he do all this? Mm -hmm. um, you think it's as simple as he needs an heir, and nobody's willing to marry him except this chick, who's like you said, quote unquote, damaged. Right. Yeah, his his boys are are dead, right? Yeah. 
It but seems you though think that, that a better get... match could be made. Yeah, you'd think. I mean, if he's as rich as everyone's saying he is. Yeah. So there's, anyway. it's, it's a good question Dunk brings yeah. up. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that they note as they come into the castle uh, is that the castle is partially made of weirwood beams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end, at the before they got on the ferry, we saw that there were a bunch of chopped down weirwood trees. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's where he got them from. Oh, I don't yeah. know. You kind of get you kind of get point. the sense that the weirwoods aren't that rare around these parts, um, given the Isle of Faces there and everything. Right. But, exactly. But it's possible that that's a, that that's where he got them from. Good point. Yeah. Who knows? Hmm. Matt, I'm just going to come out and say it. Below the salt is better. Why do you say that? Because just the hoity-toity lords and proper manners and, you know. So you're saying the party's below the salt? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And you know what? He said that the uh, the best food didn't make its way down to them, but they still did all right. Yeah. He was Sounded pleased. great. Yeah. Absolutely. Below the salt was good enough for Dunk. I love yeah. that. Is this the chapter where he puts the cape in, in his pocket? Yeah. I didn't put it in my summary. Isn't that anytime, sweet? Anytime that happens, I can't get the image out of my mind of like this, what this food is like in your pocket. This greasy piece of it's all yeah. Bird it's in you. Greasy and he's put cheese down there too and like what what's what are you doing? This isn't edible now. I thought of that what? too. <laughs> you're gonna give that to egg? Yeah, of course you're gonna give it to egg. <laughs> All right, should we move on to the main event, which is this discussion? We got to, man. This is huge. Yeah. This is is Arya Stark, you know, in the dungeons hearing uh, Varys and Illyrio Mm. big, at least as far as this story is concerned. Yeah, I mean, how dumb do we want to play it here? Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'll leave that up to you. Our readers aren't dumb. <laughs> yeah. Our readers, yeah. our, our friends, listeners. members of the Kalasar are not dumb. Yeah. A couple things are brought up here. First of all, the name Bittersteel, right? Yeah. Bittersteel is not at this event. And uh, one of the people seems worried perturbed the, by that the yeah, person who's him. the person who is not lord peak so dunk recognizes the voice of gormy peak um and gormy seems to think that bitter steel being there doesn't matter yeah gormy also brings up a few victories will bring bitter steel over the water fast enough right interesting like like uh like tourney victories that's a really good question, Scott. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, easier to speak of victories and win them. He says, "Old milk blood." We're assuming milk blood is Lord Butterwell. Yes. In fact, it's said at some point that that is kind of the the nickname that is given His to nickname. him. Yeah. Yep. 
expects the boy to have something. So he expects this boy who they're talking about to have something. Hmm. Hmm. They don't say what the something is? I thought they did. They don't? Hmm. Nope, you're right. To have it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then they talk about a prince with dragons, or with dragon dreams, right? Yep, he dreamed it. So this boy is dreaming about an egg hatching. Is the prince the boy? I think we can assume yes. Probably, yeah. yeah. And then that living dragon will win them swords. Okay. And it really would, I feel like. Having a dragon at this point would... Yeah, would would I think it, you know again Death Star right? It's it's a big advantage. Oh, you read about fire and blood, and you you know whenever these older kings visited you know, a battle with their dragon, the yes. the battle went that way. Yes. So, um, we need a warrior, not a dreamer. Is the boy his father's son? Is the boy we his father's are. son? I wish I was more like my dad. Okay. We all do. Shall we just come out with it, Scad? Well, I think the... I mean, I, it seems pretty clear. I don't remember when I first read this whether I whether I put this together the first time or not, or whether I was just going so fast I didn't pay attention, but I think it's pretty clear. I don't know how, we, how long we can avoid it. It appears that we are... They are talking about a reigniting of the Blackfire Rebellion. It appears that way. I think we can piece that together from bitter steel being brought up and dragon victories. And, yep. So Dunk is overhearing. You know, we thought the hunchback Septon was talking treason. Yeah. This is potentially huge, right? Right. You know, Dunk doesn't put it together in his brain. But the no. reader has a bunch of information that Dunk doesn't have. Um you know, so I, yeah. In fact, his first thought is that they're talking about Glendon Ball. <laughs> yes. <Right? laughs> yes. His father's son, Glendon? Huh? Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So he overhears all this and he doesn't know what to do, right? He's, what am I, what is it? What should I do? So mm-hmm. he just kind of stumbles back to the feast. I, I, yeah. We can't forget that he's half drunk. Yeah. During all of this. Yeah. Yeah, more than half. And, yeah. I, I, he doesn't know what to do. I, in, in fact, later, uh, you know, it, it says he's forgotten a lot of the conversations he had. Um, you know, bits and pieces come back to him. But, but basically, he doesn't even remember all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the fact that he doesn't piece it together is not that surprising. Yeah, it really can't be. Because also it's totally out of left field. Yes. Right? And he's pinching off some urine. So that's the big thing that stuck out to me in this. As soon as these guys stopped talking, he was able to pinch off the stream, man. Yeah, you can't do that? Not. I mean, I can't say I recommend it. Not without great difficulty. Well, Dunk is no coward. Maybe I am, <laughs> but once you start that thing, I mean, only in the most dire of emergencies will you stop. Otherwise, it's finishing. 
It's going you can't to stop, stop what you started. Stings. It does. <laughs> That's from something. I don't know what. I <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like I've heard that too. And also being able to pay attention to literally anything else while you are pinching it off <laughs> is impossible. <laughs> I feel like you're overselling the difficulty of this task, but... It's not comfortable for sure. Maybe you're a better man than I. Now, if you have to pee really bad and you haven't started yet and just holding it for a little longer, that's one thing. But if you are midstream and you stop, that's tough, dude. I don't know. Maybe. I'll leave it out of the podcast, but Matt, I will do this the next time I need to pee and I will report back to you how difficult it is. I will as well. And let's put it I'll, in the podcast. I'll try to do let's like, hold I don't know, some sort of math problem while there's podcasts ever doing it to see if yeah like yeah yeah that's the thing understand you've got to pinch it off yeah and you've got to like solve some word problem or something yeah pull up sporkle and do like a (laughs) quiz or something (laughs) while you're pinching it off welcome to the dollar singers podcast everyone where we talk about urine games and we challenge the rest of the calisar too male or female we don't care Sure. Pee and pinch it off and report back on your success. But I don't know. Oh, I can't wow. say I have a lot of experience doing it, but no. All right. So, so, uh, so Dunk has stumbled onto this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, not being invited, you start to get maybe why some of these people are like, we don't want you here. what does this guy you know gorman peak on the road Mm -hmm. you know maybe doesn't want him around like what are you doing here you you know we don't know you get out Mm -hmm. anyway yeah uh all right anything else on this uh on this whole conversation not yet maybe we just let it speak for itself later Mm -hmm. you get the uh Dunk back at the feast. He has that moment where he's, uh, oh, what is it? Somebody, somebody's talking about whether or not they're rem- they'd be remembered. Uh, I don't... He he starts thinking about uh, Tanzel and Lady Rowan. Do they ever think of me? He wondered. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that sweet or what? The other hedge knights are talking about the women they've known, right? They don't mean known. They mean known. <laughs> he's just thinking about... There's known just, and there's known. Yeah, there's known and there's known. And he's just thinking about the women he's known. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Well, there's this girl at the yeah. Ashford tourney. Yeah. And I talked to her like twice. And I saved and her. I, and I cupped her breasts and it felt like sand. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Forty year old virgin. I've, you know, I've never watched the forty year old virgin. I mean, you know, it's fine. It's not amazing. But yeah. it's, it's at one point there, he's you know he's playing poker with the guys or something, and and they're telling stories, and they urge him to tell a story, and so he doesn't know anything, uh-huh. and so he just starts trying to fake a story, and he gets to massaging the woman's breasts, and they're like, yeah, yeah, what what did it feel like? And he's like, like <laughs> nice bags of sand. And immediately everyone just knows he's lying. They're like, what do you mean? 
that's not at all correct. <laughs> that's not what they're like at all. And so they just know he's lying. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. Which is Dunk where Lord. Dunk is. He's not yet 40. Um, no, no. No, barely 20, mm-hmm. maybe, right? You know, when you, like, you grab a woman's breast and it's... And you you feel it and it feels like a bag of sand. He he had a chance uh, with old, with uh, with Rowan there, but yeah, gave that up. Not really. I, I bet he could have gotten well. Well, well, wow, well, all right. Okay, we talking about taken or receiving? Because um, taken isn't what dunk style. I think I think that's okay. something we should get. We should <laughs> we should put some thought into. <laughs> anyway, I what I meant to say was it's very sweet. It is. Yep. Do they ever think of me? And yet my my head also went to uh you're not a big friends guy, right? Nope. Well, there's an episode of Friends where uh somebody I think I think they're they're playing jokes on each other and Chandler plays a joke on Ross and he sends a message to like their class, their high school or college class Facebook group indicating that he's died as his this is a practical joke that he's played on Ross. And Ross, mm-hmm. instead of freaking out, I think he freaks out originally, but then instead of freaking out, he he plays it up and he hosts a fake funeral just to see who will show up. Who will show up and what they say. And what they say. Mm-hmm. And this reminded me of this. This do you ever think of me? Because he's so he's so in obsessed with like, what do people think of me? Do they think of me? Who who cares about me? Just like Dunk here. Do they do they think of him? Is Tanzel just down there with her puppets? Does she think of him like he thinks of her all the time? Does she remember that big old night that yeah. saved her that one time? I hope so. That's a, that's got to be a song. I should have a song lyric to to bring up right now because there's definitely songs about that. Oh, um, for sure. Probably country songs. So, but instead, instead we get. Th- the mention of the Ross funeral episode. You get the Ross funeral episode, which is fine. It's a fine. Substitute. It's fine. It's a... it, it, at the end, he busts out in the middle of somebody tearing up at how she kind of always had a little crush on him, uh-huh. and he he busts out behind a door and he's like, "I'm not dead. <laughs> Go out with me." Kind of a thing. It's terrible. Oops. It's it's it, you know like as friends go, it's one of those office moments where you're like, "This is just beyond it's hard the to pale." Watch. Yeah. No. No one. Yeah. No one would ever do this. Kind of thing, yeah. but uh, anyway, mm-hmm. there's that. Speaking of of whether these uh, two gals are thinking of him, Dunk's Dunk's a looker, man. He must be. Yeah, they mentioned mentioned somewhere in there about how he's the receiving the attention of all the glares. The ladies, from... are, yeah, the glares from the dudes and the flirty glances from the gals. Yeah. I mean, they could just be looking at his scar, which is probably still basically half bleeding. That's awesome. Or half healed. Yeah, chick stick scars. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just coming up with full tons of movie comparisons here. You are just on uh, it tonight. All right. Good man. I know. Nah, it's probably not good for the cast. Churn the butter well. Gross. Her dad said that. Her freaking dad said that. He totally did. So that and, didn't uh, come up in the summary, guys. So if you're not reading along with us and just listening to the podcast, which I know some of you do, Frey's, the little gal Frey, whose name we never get, actually. They never say her name. 
Uh, um, her dad says that in the in the feast. He's like, I, I want some grandkids, and I'd prefer twins or something. Get it? Phrase or twins. So churn the butter well. Gross, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's that's evoking some particular Im- imagery. Fathers uh, in Westeros. Those phrase. Well, good job, George. Just like putting this fray in the exact same vein <laughs> as all the, the other others we know. <laughs> Speaking of which, the, uh, the little boy there. Yeah, Walder. Yeah. The little boy there running around is Walder Frey, the future uh, Lord of the of the the, the twins. It just there. shows and reinforces and, how uh, old he is. Yes, how the... old. And that he was obnoxious even when he was young. <laughs> yep. Dunk mentions a couple times that he'd like to just pick him up and spank him. Yeah. So. I got, an- I got another question kind of kind of around this Blackfire thing for you. It can be quick. Oh, boy. It could just even be a yes or no. Okay. Are you surprised that Dunk isn't recognized by yes, this group? Yes, Absolutely. By someone. Because, I mean, to some degree, with these people, he should be a hero. <laughs> they would want him because, around. Yep. Because he he brought about the end of Baylor, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and maybe know, was... if he'd meant to do it, he would yeah. be seen as more of a hero. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm... I'm surprised that Dunk isn't recognized more. And I mean, obviously, we don't have the story of all their travels, but right, I would think word would travel that Baylor died in this tournament and is protecting this huge hedge knight. Yeah, and I would think word would get out. But yeah, yeah, in a group like this, I'm just surprised. Yep, me too. Uh, the bird pie thing. I don't so get that the was bird a thing. pie thing. Yeah, it's stupid, but they did it back in the day in real life too. Yes, the sing a song of sixpence thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it though. It like it sounds like it's just like a party favor. Like there's no food in that pie. It's just like a yeah. It's just like a an event. They'd cook the crust. Yeah, and then they would have it so that the lid the top of the pie could lift off and so they'd put the egg the birds inside close the lid and then or they i heard they too they could put them on in the bottom and through the bottom yeah a hole in the bottom the bottom of the crust yeah Yeah. and then it moves still it's just weird yeah sometimes what a weird thing sometimes rabbits frogs dogs and even dwarves that's just too far. So is this like the first time? Is this the, the medieval version of like a stripper jumping out of a cake? Maybe? Well, they got it wrong. If that's what this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some disappointed lords. Yeah. Oh, just birds in this one? Dang no. it. All right. So two people seem awfully sure of themselves in this tourney, Fiddler and uh, Fiddler and Ball. Yeah, and there's another guy, Uthor here, that seems to be the most knowledgeable 
It's almost like he's got trading cards with stats for That's all these exactly knights. That's exactly what I thought. This was the guy that had like, yeah, he has his little binder of trading cards. Or yeah. he he subscribes to, instead of the hockey news, of which <laughs> I have a subscription. Yes. You know, like jousting monthly or something like that. Yes. He knows yes. all the guys. Yeah. He buys the fantasy football draft prep magazine. The kit. Yeah, the full-on yeah. thing. Yeah. Yep. He knows yeah. his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Fiddler and Ball, two very confident people. Uh, Uthor seems to know what he's talking about. They mention, uh, mention a couple other knights. Kirby Pym, who's good. and But but generally, though, the feeling is that, that this isn't like a, huge, a hugely prestigious field. Yeah, like compared to another joust that we've read recently, Dunk's last joust, this is nothing, right? right? Yeah, yeah. This is simply kind of a joust to celebrate the wedding, and you got who you got. You got who you got. Yeah. Which makes it even more strange that Lord Butterwell would be willing to part with a dragon's egg to the champion. Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, you got anything else? We're ready to move on? We can move on. All right. I feel like I do this every episode, but apologies for the length of this summary. This was a large section of text uh, that I crammed into one section here just because of the way the story kind of broke out. So here it is. Dunk is awakened by the betting ceremony when all of a sudden he finds himself a part of the betting ceremony thrust forward by the fiddler to be the one that carries the girl up the stairs. He deposits her on the bed after she's been undressed and is about to leave when he sees it. The dragon's egg. He can't help but pick it up. It's heavy. Solid. The scales of the egg were a deep, rich red that shined like jewels, with flecks of gold and whorls of midnight black, and I'm telling you, there is a Ben and Jerry's flavor in there somewhere. He has stopped mid-egg fondle. That's a dragon egg, not squire egg fondle. Uh, anyway, he stopped by the man he heard conspiring with Lord Peak earlier, the man with the gruff voice. The man threatens him, causing Dunk to set it down and leave. But to avoid the traffic coming up the stairs, Dunk goes up instead of down, and just like that, he's under the stars on the roof. Drunk and dizzy, he regrets even touching the egg, wondering if he has started some trouble for himself and remembering the last time he got tied up with dragons. The self-reflection isn't to last long, though, as the fiddler joins him almost immediately. He starts with small talk about the castle, snow, and the wall, the wall up north, but he quickly gets serious. I dreamed of you, Sir Duncan, before I even met you. When I saw you on the road, I knew your face at once. It was as if we were old friends. What sort of dream, Duncan wants to know. Well, the fiddler tells Dunk that he saw him in the white raiment of the king's guard, that he was the greatest knight in the Seven Kingdoms in this dream. He wastes no time in offering him that cloak himself, as he kneads Dunk's shoulder gently with his hand. Dunk is intrigued, but only a king can make a king's guard, and he insists that surely the fiddler must be drunk. Pot kettle, black, etc. The fiddler presses again, offering Dunk a lordship this time. Sure, Dunk would love a lordship. He'd also love to sprout wings and fly. The fiddler is not getting where he wants, and goes even more direct. Yo, a dragon will hatch. Will you believe me then? Then he's told another dream. This pale castle, dunk himself in it, a dragon bursting from its shell. Listen, my dreams come true and I've learned to trust them, the fiddler says. 
Dunk doesn't know what to say to any of this, but the memory of his last entanglement with dragon dreams has him looking for a way out. But when he tries to excuse himself, the Fiddler will not let up, again pressing Dunk to join his service, promising that his dreams will come true. But they are interrupted, this time by Sir Gorman Peake, who wants the Fiddler abed. He has drawn Kirby Pym in the jousting tomorrow, and he must be ready. As the Fiddler leaves, though, Peake stays, and threatens to murder Dunk if he repeats anything he heard from the Fiddler. Dunk throws up, and then makes his way back to his tent. He finds Egg at his organized and well-maintained mini-pavilion, reading a roll of arms by candlelight. He's double-checking some of the arms he saw in the yard. Lord Sunderland is one, all the way from the Three Sisters north of the Vale. Dunk informs Egg that he saw the dragon's egg when he sees Egg's lip. Egg had gotten a fight defending his father's name, as some of the squires had called him a kinslayer, and suggesting Maker would continue kinslaying until he had the throne himself. Dunk reprimands him, reminding him yet again how important it is that his identity remain a secret. He has to ignore the words of these squires. Words are wind. Some words are wind. Some words are treason. This is a traitor's tourney, sir. Dunk doesn't believe it. Brushing it off and focusing on the task that's needed to be done, he instructs Egg to enter his name in the list as the Gallows Knight. Dunk will be a mystery knight in this tourney. Next morning now, OMG, it is too hot for jousting. The crowds aren't into it, Dunk isn't feeling it, even Thunder has a bad disposition about jousting today. The gluttonous display of food and wine the night before isn't helping. Worse, it's affected his memory. Turns out he might not have to worry about Lord Peak's threat because he remembers very few actual details from the conversation on the roof with the Fiddler. The jousting continues, though, and Glendon Ball mounts up without proper mail and helm. Dunk notes that a blow to head or chest could kill him. As the jousters prepare, Egg tries once more to get Dunk to pull out of the tourney, noting that almost all the men here are like to defeat him, and that he hasn't ridden an attorney since Ashford Meadow. Not that he really even rode in that tourney there either. Meanwhile, Sir Glendon makes short work of his opponent, knocking him to the ground on the first lance. Sir Kyle is up next, taking on just the lord he is looking to impress, Sir Joffrey Caswell. It's good fortune for Sir Kyle, as Joffrey was drunk as a skunk last night and can barely even sit a horse today. Sir Kyle is sure to win. Not so, Kyle informs them. He means to lose, to later ingratiate himself to the lord to join his service. And lose he does, falling on the first lance himself when he is barely touched by Sir Joffrey, whose lance doesn't even break on the impact. Sir Duncan is up next, and he is facing Sir Uthor Underleaf, who gave an account of virtually every knight at the tourney with his trading cards, and whom Egg says is quick and has a good seat. Dunk isn't intimidated and focuses on just winning two jousts. That would set them up beautifully for the future. Easier said than done, however. As the horses race toward each other, Dunk steadies his lance at the snail on Sir Uther's chest, but he sees Sir Uther raise his own lance at his head. Sir Dunk hears the crack as his lance breaks, feels the impact on his arm and shoulder, but Sir Uther's lance strikes him between the eyes, and that is the last thing he saw. Boom. Ouch. Lay that down. So, another successful joust for Dunk. It's really only his first one. It really is. Yep. Uh, And I don't mean to call it successful. Um, You know, but he didn't... They keep saying, like, your first tourney since Ashford Meadow, but he didn't really ride at Ashford Meadow. Nope. I mean, not not in a not in an attorney. He rode for his life. He never made it, yeah. And he didn't do so well then either, getting yep. knocked off by, by Arion. By Irwin, Arion. Right? Mm-hmm. So, man. 
So. Um, we got a lot to unpack in this section. A lot. Yeah, a reasonable amount. Uh, where do you want to start? Oh, boy. Maybe we should just head all the way back. Uh, to the beginning, sure. Let's see. We Did... were at the bedding, right? Carrying the girl up the stairs. Yeah, yeah our, our favorite Westerosi wedding tradition. God, it's awful. Mm-hmm. It's, it is particularly awful. I, did George get this from somewhere in history where this occurred, or is this, is this just George's fucked up mind making this up? You know, good question. I checked on the two-backed thing. I checked on the birds in the pies. I did not check on the betting tradition. Yeah. Well, you failed me. Um, but that's okay. Uh... Not the first time. <laughs> well, I failed won't you. Won't be the last. You know, it's just a, it's just a bad thing. <laughs> it's just bad. And everyone kind of seems to accept it. Yeah. Sexual harassment is okay if it's a betting ceremony. There are some that don't. Uh, in Fire and Blood, there's a girl that, that uh, tells her mom, like, no, that would be just super embarrassing for me. That's not happening. And, uh, oh, interesting. And, uh, it, and, they, and they don't do it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah, well, she, you'll, you'll read about her soon. But anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, Dunk, stand-up guy, naked woman squirming in his arms, and he's thinking of his crush instead. Yeah. In fact, when he when he wakes up from his drunken nap, it was what did it say? It was like a delightful dream about Tanzel Tutal, him with Tanzel Tutal and Rowan Weber. Yes. This delightful little dream about a threesome with yes. his two crushes. Yes. This guy needs to get laid bad. Bless him. Bless him. Okay. Again, sorry. Again, I gotta go to Friends. There are episode of there's an episode of Friends where they uh, they do like an alternate reality timeline, and in this one, it's it's a I don't like the this that they do with Monica. They they basically make her fat when she was fat when she was younger, and they have her stay fat in this alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. And they really butcher it pretty bad with just the fat jokes that they just litter throughout these few episodes. Mm. But there's one moment where she's considering giving up her flower to her current boyfriend. And and she's like, but I don't know. He's not that special. I'm not sure if I should. She's supposedly 30 at this point. And Rachel just says, oh, God, just do it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry about how special it just is. You're 30. Just do it. And I know Dunk's only 20, but he's got to get. I, I feel like he needs to get right to uh, just to get over this. He's you know? so stuck on those two, especially yes. Tanzel. Yeah. And it's not wrong to be stuck on somebody, but yeah, yeah. Stick like glue, baby. I'm stuck on you. There, I got a yeah. song lyric in. Oh, all right, Elvis. That? That's Elvis. I'm gonna stick like glue. Stick because I'm stuck on you. Elvis Presley. Stick stuck on you. That might be the first Elvis song we've done in seventy nine plus episodes. You know, this probably won't be a big surprise. I'm not a fan. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan either. I mean, you respect what he did, right? But as far as listening to the music, nah, not so much. In fact, the first time I heard that song was because my boy, Mr. Dave, did a he did a cover of the song. Hmm. And so that's how I found out that that was a song by Elvis Presley. It's because Dave Matthews played it. Thanks, Dave. No. Um, 
Anyways, what were we talking about? Oh, bettings. Well, we were talking about the bettings, but I think we can move on from it. There's nothing too significant there. Uh, I did leave out of the summary, though, that there was a dwarf in the room with him. Um, <laughs> when he to, drops the girl off. to feel. Jeez. Yes, got his feel of, of a sandbag himself. <laughs> uh, and and Dunk had to, like, shoo him along, I think. Yeah, in fact, he picked him up by the collar and was going to throw him out of the room. <laughs> oh, until Until uh, he was distracted by seeing the egg. By the egg. Yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. So let's just skip to the roof, shall we? Okay. Unless you want to talk about the egg itself. No. Looks, sounds pretty. Yeah. It's fine. He remarks yeah. on how hard it is, right? It doesn't feel like an egg. Yes. It feels more like a rock. Yeah, you could brain somebody with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is how uh, Danny described hers, right? Yes. So. Let's go to the yeah, roof. Yeah, very much so. Okay, well, these Fiddler dreams, mm-hmm. they're kind of the opposite of the Darren dream. The Darren dream, you know, was very much a warning, like, stay away from me kind of thing. And the Fiddler dream is, man, it's, it's causing the Fiddler to, yeah, it's causing the Fiddler to go full-on strongest bar come on in history, right? I mean, he is, he is... He's hitting on egg or on dunk like it's uh you know he's the last man on earth. Right. So I'm not the only one who's thinking that that John the Fiddler's coming on real strong. He's coming on very strong. I mean but, but I mean I don't know. I'm not implying necessarily that it's sexual, uh but I'm not saying it isn't either. I I am. Uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the need these like like massaging his shoulder, yeah. but you know it's also like it is maybe, but also it's kind of like just this. I th- I think I think that that Dunk symbolizes to the fiddler uh, the uh, obtaining obtaining the goal. Since he believes these dragon dreams, he knows that if he can get Dunk, this is the guy that's bringing the, the right, and that's bringing truth to these visions and the truth to those visions would be truth to the rest of the future that i'm thinking about mm-hmm. and so it's while it may seem sexual and maybe it is i'm not going to say it absolutely isn't but i think it's 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 almost golem like with the ring it's just like i just i'm so close i just want to grab it i just i it's right in front of me my dream is right in front of me i need it right i can i can have it just come to me just be with me right Listen, you're you in the dream. All of this, if you I just, just, you know, if you just I need you, me. and so it's it's more than just, you know, join my service. It's the fulfillment of the whole dream, right? Also, maybe a come on. Yep. Well, be my dog, sir. The night's alive with promise. We can howl together and wake the very gods. <laughs> Yeah, but 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 he's but he's thinking. Okay, so maybe. But, I'm not, I'm yeah, not saying yeah. No. To give you credit, but, and I'm not. I'm not trying to disagree with you. Um, he said uh, he he his very next thing that he says after that lovely little phrase is, "I would make you mine own man." Maybe that's another. Come on, uh, mm-hmm. but then he says, "And raise you high." My dreams do not lie, Sir Duncan. You shall have that white cloak, and I must have the dragon's egg. My dreams have made that plain. So yep. he, he 
you know, he comes back to it. So, yeah. But then he says, when Gormy comes in, he's like, why, what are you doing in my bedchamber, my lord? <laughs> I had hoped to joust with good Sir Duncan here. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. So, to me, it's, so... I, I agree he, with he also you, says, and I think he's got a crush on Dunk. He says he says somewhere, uh, was it was it in this section? It might have been uh, where they talk. Where he's talking about just going north with Dunk, mm-hmm. and how you know they could just go north and live you know live that life. And it reminded me of of Triple B uh, talking with Ned about you know leaving being king and just riding off with Ned and just living, right? Yeah. And simple uh life. the simple life. And it puts it puts the fiddler in thinking thinking that comparison puts the fiddler in an interesting place for me. He's driven to do this. He's driven by his dreams to do it. He's trying to make it happen with every fiber of his being by bringing Dunk in and making the first part of his dreams a reality by like actually having him having Dunk with him, right? And so I wonder if how much he really believes it's true, how much of this kind of like prophecy he feels has been thrust upon him versus he'd just like to go live a simpler life, uh, kind of like Triple B said. And so he's tugged in these different directions a little bit. But he's finally to this night where he's, he, that he's prepared for for so long where he can make something happen and so, yeah, he doesn't want to take no for an answer. This is the night where he can finally make one of these things that he's dreamed about true. Mm-hmm. It can be more than a dream, finally. The first step, right? So, yeah, he's coming on way strong because he needs it. He needs it or he's, you know, a failure. His dreams aren't true. And then and then who is he even, right? If he can't believe his dreams, then is he really the dragon? Is, this, is any of this true? Is any of it going to happen? I rambled for a long time. It was not rambling. It was an impassioned point. Well made. Thanks, man. So can we put the pieces together then, going back to the overheard conversation? Oh, did I just do that with and spoil something that I should not? I don't think so, because this guy's okay. talking about dragon dreams and having the egg yeah. that hatches and stuff. Right. And we go back to that conversation where we hear... What does he say about dragons, eggs, hatching, and stuff like that? The boy has dreams. Right. There it is. Oh. Thank goodness right. this and book it... has pictures in it because it helps me find the right pages very quickly. <laughs> yes, it's true. Me too. The prince uh, insists and... the egg will hatch. He dreamed it. Yep. Yep. And and to tie it all together, the end, Gorman Peak comes back up and, you know, threatens, mm-hmm. you know, about, you know, Dunk about what he's heard and. Uh, makes a point to make the fiddler the focus of the of the thing. Uh, so he says, perhaps the egg will. Ha- yeah, he says, I must have or I must have the dragon's egg. My dreams have made that plain. So yeah, I mean, yep. yeah. Followed by t- the <laughs> followed by the uh, threat. A tiny little thing. Uh, I don't. I don't know if, if everyone noticed. Uh, he casually states, "Hey, you've got Kirby Pym in the morning that you've drawn, mm-hmm. so uh, you got to go get ready." And then in the next scene, Dunk is telling Egg to go put his name in the lists, so it's not possible 
for him to already have his opponent. The lists haven't been drawn yet. Oh, yeah. Good point. So that's curious. More, perhaps, next episode on that. Yep. Good point. Hmm. Okay, so moving on with our discussion then through that through your section. Mm-hmm. So we've got the rooftop. Are we done with the rooftop? Yeah, I don't really know that we need to talk at all about the threat. It was there. Good, th- good threat. Good vomit. Uh, you know. Then he makes his way back. Mm-hmm. Um, the discussion with Egg is interesting. Um, you know, Egg reveals kind of what we revealed. What what we revealed last last section, which is this is a traitor's tourney, which Dunk won't believe. Um, you know, egg is egg is a sharp egg's a sharp sharp cookie. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dunk, how about Dunk saying he's going to be a mystery knight? Yeah, nice try, pal. <laughs> I mean. A, they've already seen his shield yep. uh, that he's going to use. B, he's huge. He's a monster. Everyone's going to know exactly who he is. Yeah. I mean, it's a good. He, he can't hide it's a out. Good try. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he couldn't like hide out in the back of the hall either. Even if he had before, uh, he was still the one that carried Lady Frey up to bed and all that stuff. So people, yeah, people know him. Yes. Yeah, it would be the worst kept mystery night ever. I think <laughs> it's like when your kids come up to you in their little like little toddlers, and they have like a blanket over them or something, and they want you to believe that they're a ghost or something, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, oh, I'm so scared." <laughs> <laughs> Dunk comes out in his armor. Ooh, I'm a mystery night. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, <Yes>. you are. <laughs> Wonder who that could be. Exactly. <laughs> I miss those days. <laughs> how how about how confident Dunk seems? It's weird. He's not usually like that. Right? Well, He kind of is, but I don't know if it's a confidence. It's Mm. he's able to see things clearly enough to know what he needs to do. So he's kind of like, well, I just got to do it. It's like in the Sworn Sword when he's tasked with speaking with Lady Rowan and he is ill-equipped to do it. But we talked about it during those episodes yeah. that he's just like, well, I got to do it. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to do it. And this he's like, well, I got to get some money. And so I got to joust. And so I'm just going to go and do it. And is he a little naive? Yeah. Yeah. And I get accused of this every once in a while. But I tell my wife when she brings up a problem that we could potentially have. And I'm like, well, we'll just, we'll just make it work. We'll just make it work. And her yeah. wise response is... No, that's not a good enough answer. We need to we need to plan for it. We need to, you know, be prepared. And I feel that Dunk's kind of like that too. She's like, "Well, I just got to make it happen. So, I got to win this thing." Yeah. But but he but he's pretty dismissive too. Yes. 
Of Sir Uthor? Of Egg's... Uh, uh, well, yes, of Sir Uthor, his opponent, but, but also of Egg's kind of warnings, right? Egg, some, Egg, Egg says something really dickish to him, and I can't remember what it is now. Dunk says something like, the tourney's not very deep, the, the pool's not very deep, who's going to give oh, me a problem? who's going to give me trouble? And he they're like, almost all, all of them. them. Well, yeah, you know that one? Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, who's who's going to give me a problem? Well, everyone is. There it is. Yeah. Is there some knight here like to give me trouble? Almost all of them, sir. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 okay. But he's traveled with Egg enough to know that he's a smart kid that sees a lot. Yep. And he should be able to like. It's it's a Quentin thing. Remember we talked about this with PQ. Like, uh, not with PQ, poor Quentin, but with with poor Quentin who died in the fires in a song of ice and fire. Lowercase p, of, of the poor dragon. Lower Quentin, Quentin. lowercase p, uppercase yep. q. Uh, that he sh- he should be able to step back mm-hmm. and see the information in front of him, mm-hmm. which his squire, whom he trusts, has told him several times. Sir Uther's good. You're not good. This is not a good idea, right? And maybe it's not confidence, and maybe it's, yeah, we just need to do it, but... It's still not a great idea. That's how you die. That's how you die. you got to listen to the people that you trust, you know? And and Dunk's response is, he's got a... His sigil is a snail. Like, how how good can he be? Yeah. Your sigil's a guy hanging from a tree. Like, what? Yes. Right now. What else you got? Anything in here? Oh, yeah. So just a couple small things. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> Thunder was restless on the day of the match. You brought it up in your summary, too. Uh, Dunk thinks it's because of the heat. But, you know, <clears throat> it reminded me of the Hedge Knight when it talks about how nervous Dunk was. And he said his saving grace... In fact, I copied the quote here. Thunder saved him. Mm-hmm. The big brown stallion knew what to do, even if his rider did not. So it seems like Thunder's kind of got this calm presence. He's done this a few times and stuff. So it stood yes. out to me that Thunder was restless on the day mm-hmm. of the, the match. And I'm wondering if there's something more to that or if it is just the heat. Uh, I don't know if there's an answer to it right now, but it stuck out to me. I mean, it's probably... It's probably more like um, it's probably more like a device from George to give us a hint mm-hmm. that it's not going to go well. All right, something's up. Right. I've got a bad it, feeling about this. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, right. And um, it's mentioned twice in this first section that Dunk, or in this first half of the novella that Dunk actually fought off some ironborn raiders. Yes. Right? They were on a yes. boat that was attacked by ironborn, and Dunk joined in in the fight. He put on his armor, and he helped fight him off, and he almost drowned at one point. And I wonder, is that was that Dunk's first real, I mean, in addition War, to long-inch kind of, yeah. stuff, was that his first real, like, pitched battle? I wondered the same thing, and I would give my left testicle for that story if George would write it. Right. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. I, First I, and I mean, only? As, that we know as far of. as we know, yeah, I think it would be. I mean, there's not a lot of time in between. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know what he participated in, participated in with... Arlen. With Arlen. Mm-hmm. But we know that that time of, if, if I recall my history, right? My fake history of this world, right? Uh, that this was a fairly... Peaceful time. Peaceful time. Yep. Between when he would have been found by Sir Arlen and, yep. and Ashford. So... Yeah, I imagine this is kind of his first steeped conflict. Yeah. Right. And obviously there's the trial of seven. Um, and then there was right. the uh, battle with the long inch one-on-one. But I think this is mm-hmm. as far as like an all-out brouhaha. I think this yeah. might have been it. So. Yeah, feels that way. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, shall we move on? It's now time to thank our patrons mm-hmm. for their support. And uh, we'll just go through the list here for everybody of the Dirty Cab Driver level and up. Thank you so much. Thank to all our patrons our patrons for their support. Um, Indeed. But we'll, we'll go with Jacob M. Lady Fattas Red. Jeff H. Archmaster June, Healer of the Lesser Poxes. Jeremy L. Jamie K. Donorus. Sarah from Texas. Colin U. Sir Stormtheus Snow, the Bastard Storm. Blood Reiner. Alexander G. Gib. And the Ghost Chase Killer. At our reach around level, we have B Word, the Queen Beyond the Wall. And Josh C., Warden of the Reach around. And at our Team John level, thank you to Misa, the Queen of Gifts and Beauty, and new patron supporter. Uh huh. Strong Belwas spinoff. Yes, thank you very much for everyone for your support. And, Indeed, uh, be working on getting some of those, uh, some of that content to you very shortly. All right, uh, now we're going to go into a new seg, our our, our segment uh, that we've been doing in these Dunkin' Egg novellas called "Who's That Dragon?" Who's that? Who's that? Who's that dragon? Um, mm-hmm. not a ton of of Targaryens in this one other than maybe the one that we kind of reasoned our way to do we need to uh move to davos after dark before we I do think we who's should. That dragon i think we should i think we should do davos after dark before we before we jump in yeah yeah because we will be talking about probably the result of yes this story in it yes so, so davos after dark Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we're going to jump into Davos After Dark now. So uh, if you don't want to be spoiled for the second half of the Mystery Night Jump Out, uh, if you want to stick around, please do. Mm-hmm. Davos After Dark. So, uh, okay. leading into uh, the Who's That Dragon section, then, we decided to go with Agor Rivers, uh, better mm-hmm. known to many as Bittersteel, mentioned a few times uh, in this half of the Mystery Night. Um, so just a little bit, a little bit of, of history on him. Um, so he is the bastard son of Barba Bracken and Aegon the Unlikely. Um, and... Aegon the Unworthy. Sorry, Aegon the Unworthy, not the Unlikely. My bad. Um... Fine. The... You know, there's something interesting that George has done with... (laughs) <laughs> by setting up the Blackwood Bracken 
conflict such as he has. Uh, almost in A Song of Ice and Fire first, then going back to these novellas, such that just by knowing, and, and to the other history that he's written, just by knowing that Blood Raven and Bittersteel are bastards from these two different families, you you know that they're going to be in conflict. Yeah, you almost like, oh, this makes sense. Right. Okay. You don't even need any explanation. You can just say it's part of this whole other setup that he's already done. Right? Mm-hmm. There's His Hatfield and McCoys of Westeros. Right. And there there ends up being more to it than that, too. But that's enough. That's mm-hmm. all you need for there to be hatred. It's it's uh it's kind of a well, you could call it maybe a crutch to be used, but it also I think serves as a tool, uh, and an effective one to get the reader's mind in the right place easily, that this is how it's going to be. Um, so you're set up from the beginning for there to be conflict, uh, with Barbara Brackett and Melissa Blackwood being the the two mothers of these two men. Um, so you also have, you know, in addition, as, as Agor was raised, um, you know, he is older than Bloodraven, but he was sent away from court uh, when when Barbara fell out of favor. Yeah, his mom was, was kind of replaced by Bloodraven's mom as, right. as favorite mistress. Correct, and so he was sent away. Uh, he's probably the better fighter of the two. Um, mm. You know, he's got a, a fighter's body. Yeah, but, um, you know, Blood And Bloodraven is, you know, thinner and, you know, kind of... A little less maybe gifted there, although he you know he certainly holds his own, and and has dark sister. But um, and anyway, so so Bittersweet was sent away from court. Blood Raven allowed to stay at court, even though you know his his mom also eventually fell out of favor. Um, to stay at court, uh, they both fell in love with Shiera Seastar, their mm-hmm. half sister, the daughter of. Aegon the Unworthy, and, oh geez, I've misplaced her name, but basically a woman from Lys, right? Um, yeah, la, da, 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 Lorelai, oh Laura something. Lovely. Listen day. It's an L. It's something, I think. Serenay. Serenay, all right. Yes. So so they both fall in love with Shira Seastar, who is, by everyone's opinion, the most gorgeous woman in the realm. Uh, but also she's trouble, right? She's magical and dark arts and she leads men on and, you know, not that she shouldn't have her own sexual agency, but she certainly played these two against each other a little bit and and also gave in to Bloodraven's advances and not Bittersteel's. So, so Bittersteel has that kind of thorn in his side all the time too. This, this I was sent away from court, you know, I wasn't doted on like Bloodraven was at court. He got Shiera and I didn't, even though I loved her too. All these kind of things just work against him, right? And he became, you know, I I think maybe the main driver behind the Blackfire Rebellion and and getting Damon to that place. Sure. And so then you have the actual Blackfire Rebellions, um, which the first one, uh, like I just said, you know, encouraged very much by him. Um, he was really a hero of that battle of one of many, um, you know, Damon had been slain, 
and he prevented a complete rout upon Damon's death by doing kind of a mad charge up one of the sides toward the the raven's teeth grabbed Blackfire and saved it from he being recaptured. Up, he took up Blackfire, exactly. yeah. And so, mm-hmm. so kind of a, you know, a hero, right? And, and and maybe, you know, for some of these lords that we're talking about uh, in in the Mystery Night, they see him that way. Um, and, you know, the fact that he's not supporting this, this second Blackfire Rebellion, it's a big deal. A it's a big deal to them because he is their hero now that Damon's gone. He is kind mm-hmm. of the figurehead. He took up the sword. Right. Yeah. Exactly. In more ways than one. So the fact that he's, uh, we're now to the second Blackfire Rebellion you now, the fact that he's sitting it out means a lot to him. We don't know why he's sitting it out. Um, yeah. You know, we, we're, like you said, we're going to talk a little bit about the rest of the Mystery Night, but we know we know that in, in the second half of this book, of this novella, they bribe the, the, the people in the joust to lose to him, to lose to the Fiddler. He seems like he's knows what he's doing, and he's got the dragon dreams, ish. Yeah, I mean, but they still need to pay him to win, pay pay his foes to lose to him. Well, and then, uh, and this isn't a knock on Glendon, but we're in Davos after dark, so I can say it. He Damon gets his butt kicked by a kid who'd just been tortured yes. for to almost the point of death. Yes. And he got knocked right off his horse the first time through. Right. So I don't know how good Damon actually was when it really came down to it. Yeah, and we don't we don't know, and we won't. Uh, you know, is is that a statement of how good Glendon is, or a statement of right. how bad Fiddler is? About Fiddler is, or both? Right. You know, we're in Utah. Yep. I used to have conversations with my college buddies about Stockton and Malone, and I could never. I don't know why I was having this argument because I'm not a huge jazz fan, but uh, there would be arguments all the time about best power forward of all time, best point guard of all time, and sometimes I would take up that Stockton and Malone mantle for both of those both of those titles, and the argument always would be, you don't know that he was the best power forward around. He always had Stockton giving him the ball, so how how do you know mm-hmm. how good he'd be if he didn't have Stockton? And if you've argued would, that Stockton was the greatest point guard, they're like, was, he was yeah. always passing him alone. He probably would have been nobody. Would he nobody have gotten if, that right. many assists if he didn't, if he wasn't playing with Carl Malone? Exactly. Yeah, so it's kind sure. of the same thing here. Like, which one is it? Is it Ball that's great or is it the Fiddler that's bad? We don't really know. We know, though, at least that his handlers thought they needed to buy his foes. Maybe they were just right. being cautious, but they did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe Bittersteel, to his credit, knew that the fiddler was was not the answer that he didn't he wasn't the true steel to borrow donald Noy's words um yeah the um in the world of ice and fire they there's some speculation as to uh, maester yandel speculates as to you know why he didn't do it and he wonders if it's because uh bitter steel just Damon seems to be very interested in music and art and those kind mm. of things. He's pretty much like Darren. Because <laughs> how he kind of strikes me. Whereas Damon, the father, was a warrior. You know, they talk about it and all the things. And there was someone that Bittersteel, as a warrior, could really support. Bittersteel doesn't strike me as super progressive. Yeah. Um, no, that's true. And he wanted, he wanted a warrior like Damon, the father. And he's pretty much the opposite of that. Uh, 
Well, and Maester Yandel maybe he's also... too nice. He's too nice. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, he he he's... seems put together. He's not. They don't. You know, he's not round of shoulder and with a belly like we that wobbled like we talked about. Right. Sure. I mean, he seems uh-huh. put together and in good shape and. You know, he talks about how he's tried his sword with many people around the world. He's and, handsome. I mean, it sounds um, like he knows what he's doing with the martial arts there, but... Ish, yeah. Maybe he's just not that good. And then Maester Yandel also wonders if it's because uh, because Damon was gay and mm. Bittersteel wasn't down with that. Mm. So so that's a, that's a thing. That's not just a thing you're latching onto. That's a thing that uh, Maester Yandel latched onto. Yandel latched onto it, and there is like an obscure reference on the wiki that says that George R. R. Martin confirmed that Damon too was was gay. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. It, in a, it, in it, a Sospeak Martin thing. It yeah. It sources back. It footnotes back to a so said Martin. Um, but when I went to try to look up that so said Martin, I couldn't find much on it. Interesting. So, huh. Yeah. Okay, so Bittersteel's uh, anti-gay, too, then. So we can add that to the to the list, maybe. Which I can see him being. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess I should have just led with Egor Rivers. He's a dick. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, so... The nice way to put it is he's not super progressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> but, yeah, he was a dick. Uh, so, third uh, Blackfire Rebellion moving on. Uh, yeah, bitter... sorry, we I I took us on. No, no, that's exactly there. what this is for. Uh, third Blackfire Rebellion, he crowns Hagon, which is uh, it would be his fourth son, right? Yeah, Damon's Damon II's little brother. Yep. Right, uh, and and the original Damon's fourth son. Uh, mm-hmm. They invade. They're defeated by Makar, uh, Egg, who's fighting now at this age. Uh, Arion apparently provides some value at that point. Uh, yeah, that's a story I want to get and that yeah. there's nothing on. Yes. Yeah, I'm careful. George will write it. He'll give you another yeah. Fire and Blood 3 all about Arion. Egg <laughs> apparently participated in the battle and acquitted himself well. Yeah. I, I want to hear that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm as interested as Ari- in Arion yeah. not being a complete douchebag. Arion pulling it together. I love stuff yeah. like that where like... yeah. The one guy pulls it together for just that long and then just goes back yeah. to being himself. Yeah. That stuff's yeah. cool to me. Uh, Blood Raven again fights Bittersteel in single combat and defeats him. Right. Uh, That's why I kind of went, eh, when you said that maybe Bittersteel was the better, had the upper hand on Brendan because yeah. Brendan essentially beat him twice. Uh, well, I don't know if he beat him the fir- the, the first time. Um Bittersteel took his eye and yes, then fled. Yeah. Um, maybe the tide has turned. Battle the battle was lost. The battle was lost. Yeah, I'll left, give you that. But, um, okay. You know, presumably he... I don't know whether he had Blackfire in his hand when he fought Bloodraven uh, the second time or not. But, um, yeah, you know, maybe they're more evenly matched is how I should have said it. Uh, this time, though, uh, Bittersteel is captured after losing to, to Bloodraven and sent to the wall. But... So many uh, Blackfire sympathizers in the crowd. They knew when he was sailing, and the Golden Company basically boarded the ship and took him back to uh, to Essos. So that gives time for the fourth Blackfire Rebellion. Crowns Daemon Third within the year of Hagon's death. This one they land at Massey's Hook, 
but very little support from the lords, and Damon died by Sir Duncan's hand, and the rebellion ended. Damon again escaped back, or uh, sorry, Agor uh, yeah. again escaped back to Essos, but died shortly thereafter fighting in uh, some sort of uh, skirmish war there. Yeah, kind of an ignominious death. Ignominious? Aluminium? Aluminium. Yeah. So so that's kind of the end of his life, but, but there's also this little piece about the Golden Company. So during all these Blackfire Rebellions and kind of before most of them, uh, he founded the Golden Company, which everyone that's read A Song of Ice and Fire knows uh, is kind of like the best sellsword company around. Um, and they never break a contract. Until until, until the new Aegon. <laughs> uh, so this has really far-reaching effects. You can argue that outside of you know bitterness and just anger at being the forgotten son in his early life, you could argue that Aegor's entire life has been about trying to get a Blackfire on the throne. Yes. And now the Golden Company, his company, may do that for him. Mm-hmm. So while you write off Aegor as like, you know, this ignominium end, uh, maybe not. Maybe he sowed the seed that he needed to to actually right. get the Blackfire on the throne in the end. Let me ask you this. Why do you think he was so friggin' supportive of Damon and Damon's, you know, descendants? Why didn't Agor ever try to do it like himself? You know, he was a he was a Blackfire. Yeah. Why didn't he try to put himself on the throne? Why was he why did he always defer to Damon and Damon's descendants, do you think? It's a great question. I don't have an answer for that. I mean, you're right. He was a great bastard, um, you know, just just like Damon was. Um, yeah, it's like, well, you know, why, why, why after Damon died, he, you know, he liked Damon and thought Damon was the best guy. But after Damon 1 dies, why not like, you know what, maybe I'm the best guy for this. Yeah, I think, I think it's because... And and you see this as as the as the Blackfire rebellions go on. By the way, there was a fifth one that I didn't talk about because Agor's not a part of it, and we'll leave that there. But as you see, as these Blackfire rebellions go on, there's less and less support for them mm-hmm. uh, as time kind of goes. And I think what he's seizing on is if I'm going to get the Lords to support this, they really believe and believed in Damon's claim, and they still mm-hmm. believe he's the true king. You hear Sir Eustace say it, that he was the king. I fought for the king, right? He, they believe he's still that he's the king, that he's just been mm-hmm. mis- displaced, killed and displaced from where he should have been, and that his family is is incorrectly displaced as well currently. And so they are the real heirs to the throne. If he went to do it himself, he'd have a whole different argument on his hand to convince them that he's also the better man, right? right. And that they should take up his mantle too. Whereas the other one is a mantle they've already picked up and died for and fought for. And this is just continuing that same fight. So that's my, Mm -hmm. that's all I've got. And that's a, that's a very well-reasoned argument. Do you have something better? Not really. I I think that if he was going to change it up, it would be after this second Blackfire rebellion. Yeah. And being able to say, look, sorry, the son is not the father. I'm the next best guy for the job. Yeah. So I'm a Blackfire too. 
I got the sword, you know, I can do this thing. But I, th- I like what you said. In fact, that's why they kept Daemon II alive, right? That's why Bloodraven kept him alive and didn't even execute him, was so that Agor couldn't crown Hagon yes. immediately. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's that's correct. So all right, yeah. So yeah. that's uh, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, we'll see what the uh, perhaps far-reaching effects of Agor's founding of the Golden Company actually does for his ending goal. It would be kind of a uh, you know sweet justice for him were it to pan out. Not that you know, not that I'm looking for that for him necessarily. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, and that kind of scratches off one of our. Uh, Davos after dark topics as well of why did Bittersteel not support this rebellion? Yes, yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, you you covered that really well with the I didn't I didn't remember that from the World West and Fire stuff. It's um, one of those little tiny like box kind of stuff yeah. passage things that uh, pop up every few pages. So uh, let's just let's just jump to the dream. Okay. Did Damon's dream come true here in this story? Not here in the part that we covered, but in the second half. Yeah. I kind of think it, it, it did, but not in the way he, he thought it would. Yes. Yeah, I, so. it, Yeah. this dream, so we know the dragon dreams, and we know Mel's fires, and you know all these things, they require interpretation, right? Yeah. Darren's dream uh, from the Hedge Knight, um, you know, was, was not Dunk killing Darren, it was, you know... Baylor dying and falling on top of Dunk, right? Defending Dunk, yes. yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, this one requires some interpretation too, and it's 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 a cruelly, cruelly inaccurate <laughs> interpretation, impression that, that the Fiddler has here of this dream because he's dreaming about somebody else, which is the same thing that happened to Darren. These guys, these Targaryens are so friggin' cocky, they assume that all these dreams are about themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's not about him, right? It's about Aegon. Aegon. Yeah. So at the end of the story, he kind of comes out. You may remember, and if not, you will remember it. Uh, as Aegon Targaryen, everyone finds out that Aeg is not really Dunk Squire, but he's really the prince, Aegon. So the dragon came forth from an egg, being egg as in Duncan Egg. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that time, Dunk actually defends him uh, in battle. They try to kill Egg, right, Scad? Like, yeah. Or just capture well, him. No, they're, they're like, we got to kill him. Well, so Butterwell has captured him, uh, but is yes. is being, you know, recalcitrant. Is that the word? He's uh, wussing out. He, yeah, he's he's planning to give him back. But then yeah. the, the Tom the, Heddle comes uh, in. Yeah, Heddle, Black Tom Heddle comes in and, and is planning to take him and probably harm him, yeah. Yeah, and then Dunk steps in, defends him, kills Tom Heddle. So he is defending this this dragon, mm-hmm. um, which which goes to shades of, of what Damon saw as him being in the Kingsguard. Yep. And then, of course, Dunk actually does become a member of the Kingsguard, so that literally comes to pass, too. Yes. So I would say that, that Damon's dream did come true, and it came true here in the story, just the interpretation was off. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, 
he has the dragon dreams. Maybe they should have given him the sword. I mean, what's to say he couldn't have done it? I don't know. You and I seem to have different opinions on the Fiddler a little bit. I feel like maybe he could have done it if he'd have been given the support. Um, Listen, I think I think he's got um, all the uh, intangible bravado yeah. and um, and kind of the the social skills and uh, and and those types of things um, that Gorman Peak obviously saw something there, but Agor uh, uh, didn't. And yeah. whether one of them was right and one of them was wrong, um, yeah. yeah, we won't know. But but I'm asking what you see. You don't think you don't think he had the stuff. Um, let me think here. I would like he made friends easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like how when it came down to it, he was like, well, "I'll face Glendon in single combat." You know, that's mm-hmm. the fair thing to do. Yeah, I thought that was an honorable thing of yeah. Damon. Um, when the going got tough at the end of the story, he still tries to rally yeah. who he can to fight for him. And obviously no one listens to him yeah. and, and he's captured at the end, but he tries, he doesn't give up. Yeah. So I think there's something to be said that he would be an okay ruler. Yeah. Uh, he, he reminds to be honest, he reminds me of Rhaegar, which Maybe a little bit, yeah. Um, which, you know, people are up and down on Rhaegar and how great he is or not great he is. I don't think mm-hmm. super highly of him, but I think he would have been a, a competent ruler. I think his heart was in the right place. I think he would have... Sure. You know, but... Yeah. Anyway, all right. We spent enough time on that. Um, the Septon's Head. Let's go back to that real quick. So, in... So you said, like you said, each novella begins with a death. Um... In the previous two, though, that that foreshadows an actual death, um, not not really in this one, right? Um, at least, I mean, unless you're talking about Black Tom Heddle or Alan Cockshaw who drowns in a well. Um, sure, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I guess those guys do die. <laughs> they do, but I don't. I don't know that they're. I don't know that it's foreshadowing from the from the beginning. Um, but I I wonder if. Again, so again, been reading Fire and Blood. One of the things that Jaharis does that I thought was really effective mm-hmm. was and you're not there yet, so I'm going to spoil you a little bit. Ah, uh, go ahead. You know what? You decided to join Davos after dark, so you get spoiled. Yep, I kept listening. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> he sends out members of the faith, seven of them, I think, uh, to go preach the countryside to try to. Uh, remove the stigma about Targaryens marrying each other to reset the uh, reset the narrative by sending yeah, out these septons. Yeah, he's on a little PR campaign. Exactly. He sends these septons out to do that for him. And they're out there, they're well-spoken, they go out and they travel the countryside and they basically put a good word out for Jaehaerys. And I wonder if maybe Peak or Daemon did something like this with this septon, you know, around the areas that they're going to be to try to, like, kind of stoke the fire a little bit. Right. You got it real bad right now. Wouldn't it be great if Bittersteel were here? Right? Just kind of just fan the flames a little bit, get people ready for this rebellion. Yeah. 
maybe suss out some support where they can. Right. And, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Totally agree. Cool. I mean, there's Look no there's no evidence that it happened, but I like right. the idea. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised because they know that the cards are stacked against them. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um. Let's see. I just <laughs> Damon. You know, just talk about Gorman Peak and, and maybe going back to whether Damon would be a good ruler. Right now, the problem is, is he's just such a loose cannon. Like, and oh, it's like yeah. Gorman. Yeah. Gorman's always having to rein him in. He's like his handler, and yes. like, <laughs> but but he's also not wrong. I mean, forget the dream for a minute and be like, you can't win the rebellion with the remaining lords that still support the Blackfire Rebellion. You need more. You need him to be out recruiting and Im- yes. like impressing people, and you can't, you know, like if you I, you gotta let him off the leash and be the charismatic ruler, or it's never gonna work anyway. Totally, and that charisma is what I I have written down too. I finally saw Bohemian Rhapsody, Scad. Ah, yeah, I finally saw it. I can't believe I'm and, gonna see Aquaman before her Bohemian Rhapsody. But you, but it was it was great. You're really gonna like it. Good. Um, but it kind of, it's not apples to apples, but it kind of reminds me of Freddie Mercury and the rest of Queen slash their inner circle. Like they knew that it was Freddie's charisma Mm. and kind of outlandish stuff that was a big part of what made Queen Queen. Yeah. So you have to let him be Freddie. Yeah. But at the same time, you've kind of have to contain it a little bit yeah so that he doesn't just go completely off the deep end right yeah. they they address it a little bit some of the other band members are like okay freddie just like chill out a little bit but mm-hmm. um but at the same time they're kind of like well freddie's freddie it kind of made me think of that a little bit that they've got they've got to let him be out there you know even as a hedge knight he's got to sit up there on the dais so that to show him off a little bit mm-hmm. but you know, when he's up there and he makes that toast. Yeah. We didn't really talk about the toast. No. It's like, dude, come on, man. Yeah. You can't say that. <laughs> the brothers thing? Yeah. 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 He toasts his dead brothers and stuff. And to my like, brave brothers, I know that they are smiling tonight. Yeah. It's like, no, you can't say that. Or it's like Gorman finds him up on the roof with Dunk. And it's like almost like he's done this before. And he's like, okay. What did he tell you? Yeah. What did he promise you? Yeah, it's it's almost like they're on different timelines, right? They're like, you need to wait for these things to happen. Then we make the celebratory Then you do that. Then we do these things. Yeah. And he's like, no, we're here. It's time. We're doing it. (laughs) What did he tell? What did he promise you? Well, he promised you'd make me a lord and they'd get a spot in the king's Nope. None of that's going to happen. If you talk about it, I kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Had this conversation with five other knights. But it, but but it also it also puts it puts that in an interesting light about why they're supporting him. Maybe mm-hmm. you know in in contrast to what I'm saying about him having the stuff, uh, maybe Gorman Peak is in because he thinks he can control him, or thought he could. Yes. Right, mm-hmm. and so he, that's why he's willing to go in because he thinks he's going to get more power out of this he's because he can control him. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and can he? Anyways. So uh, this wasn't in the notes, but but given what you've said about about Damon uh, perhaps being gay, and the clear affection that Alan Cockshaw had for him, 
Are you yeah. are you assuming that they are were or are lovers? They are a thing. Yeah, or an item, or maybe Alan just wants them to be. I think Alan wants him to be, and I think he's tremendously jealous of Dunk, as we'll yeah. see later in the story. Yeah. Oh, that's just a little quick side thing. Um, okay. Uh, Damon does seem to have a certain affection for him. But but, the, but he has kind of an affection for everybody. Or not. Yeah, whether it's romantic or not is very difficult to say, considering how he treats everybody. Yeah, he treats kind everybody amiably and stuff. Yeah. 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 And even Gorman Peak, who he seems to not really like, he's kind of like... Gormy. Yeah, he's kind of warm to him, right? Yep. I like it. Yeah. Listen, I like Damon. Yeah. I do. I do too. I think he's charismatic. I think he's a lot of fun. And I think he's sincere. I don't feel like he's doing treating people like Dunk the way he's treating them just to like win them over and then he'd just forget about them. I, I really feel like he's sincerely likes people and stuff yes. like that yeah I, that's the impression i get from him if if he so. only treated dunk that way you could say oh it's because of the dream and because he's trying to obtain this thing that whole thing that i waxed on about for five minutes earlier <laughs> you know that he's trying to obtain this thing but he treats everybody that way to some degree maybe not as aggressively you know and and as interested but he's he treats everybody nicely like that mm-hmm. right yeah. Oh, you hedge knights. I love you guys. You know, like... Can I sit down? Yeah. Scoot over. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to yeah. sit down. <laughs> like, scooch over, man. <laughs> like, you know, and to some degree that maybe comes from growing up around the Golden Company and the Cell Swords and stuff. Um, That's true. You know, Good point. Just kind of being one of the guys. That mm-hmm. kind of comes easy to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said comes easy. Um, I got a little weird thing. So... We note we noted earlier that the Weirwood uh, beams in 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 uh, White Walls uh, that they were Weirwood. Uh, maybe Bloodraven had no spies. Maybe Bloodraven's spies were Bloodraven himself traveling mm-hmm. the Weirwood net and traveling through time and telling himself what's going on. Oh All boy! Back scared. to the futurey, huh? Yeah. Huh? I hate it yeah, too. Hop in, I hate hop it. In your, hop in your DeLorean and go back to before you made that statement. I know. Yeah, I should. I hate time travel. But anytime I see Weirwood anything now, <laughs> yeah, I'm I, like, totally. I'm like, oh, yep. well, maybe he's seeing this somehow. Yeah. I think uh, it's mentioned that, uh, oh my gosh, it's been so long since we read A Song of Ice and Fire proper. I can't remember the guy's name. The. Um, the uh, blacksmith in King's Landing, Donald who Moy? they get Gendry from. Oh, in King's Landing, Tobel Mott. Yeah, Mott. They mentioned that like he has a weirwood frame around yeah. his door or something, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my gosh, what have they seen?" Yeah, and the and the chairs in the you know the backs of the chairs. in the house of black, and, of black white. and white. Yeah, mm-hmm. like what are they? What's Blood Raven seeing right now? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe, Maybe it is nothing. something, but because yeah. it's a dead weirwood. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the same argument can be said for all of these instances. Is there a reason Gurm is sticking that detail into it? Yeah. He, he often describes things in great detail, but why would he choose to describe the rafters in the castle? Yeah. I mean, there, as Weirwood. there could be reasons. It, it maybe shows uh, that, that Butterwell is going for opulence. Weirwood is a, a rare tree mm-hmm. and perhaps even considered, maybe it's considered not not cool to cut that down to some people and he's throwing it in their face a little bit. I and mean, there's a lot of things you could maybe draw from that. 
uh, just from a character perspective for Butterwell. But yeah, also what you said, George kind of maybe he's planting that for something. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We don't. But I thought of it. I'm sure everyone thinks of it because probably everyone's like us. They see the werewood and they freak out now. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, all right, we're we're uh, we're nearing the end. We kind of already talked about Fiddler uh, being Damon. Uh, that's pretty much spoiled. Um, yeah. We didn't though talk about Lord Bloodraven being <sighs> Maynard Plum. We slathered it on reasonably thick <laughs> during the main portion of the podcast. A little but bit. Well, just the one time. Let's just uh, drive it home here. Yeah. Um. So, basically, this is not our theory. This has been out there forever, uh, I assume. I don't even know who came up with it originally. Uh, but basically, the idea is that Lord Bloodraven is Maynard Plum. Um, yeah. And go. I did not at all pick up on this when I was reading it the first time. But going into this story, knowing it or believing it, uh, and then reading it, the hints are everywhere. It right? sure as heck seems obvious, yeah. Yeah. Uh one one particular just kind of tongue in cheek one is uh, somebody says something about all of us being bastards of of Aegon, <laughs> and he says that who's to say we're not, right? And he is as he taps the side <laughs> of his nose. Yeah, um, he's you know he he's he's he hangs out after after the 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 night where the the hedge knights are all eating dinner there. He's hanging out talking to the innkeeper afterward. What's he talking? Mm-hmm. What's he got to talk to her about? Well, he's gathering information, right? Who's there? Who's around? What's what types of lords are here? You know, how many people? What you know? Who's going in which direction? Right. Yeah. Um, he you know he knows a lot about. He says you have to beat him on the water, referring to the Greyjoys, right? He's not. This is not a standard hedge knight. He's not making standard hedge knight comments, right? Mm-hmm. He knows stuff. Um. After everyone goes to bed at the feast, um, he's still he's hanging still out, out and about, still hanging yeah. out, watching everything, learning. He knows all about the Frey situation. He knows about the Butterwell situation. He knows kind of all these things. So, the question I guess I have, if you just believe it, is why here? Why with this group of hedge knights? You have mm-hmm. you have something on that? Uh, no. Um, if I did though, it would be that maybe it's to figure out Glendon. Mm. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Was did well? It's it's somewhat. I guess like was Glendon with them before Maynard was like. Well, I I was I, I was about to say it's fortuitous that that Dunk landed in that party because that's. A variable that I don't think Blood Raven was in control of, Duncan Egg just showing up, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think, actually, all Dunk did is get close to foul things, fouling things up, right? If they hadn't shown up, the tourney would have just progressed as normal, and Blood Raven would have had his army come storm the castle, and everything would have been taken care of with no problem, right? Yeah, because here's the question. Two to go along with that is Blood Raven seemed to already have a pretty idea, pretty good idea that this was happening, yes. right? Yeah. So, you know, 
why would he even need to show up if he knew that it was going to happen? Was it just to be able to confirm it? Yeah, it it makes me think he wanted to actually get a look at the fiddler at at Damon, see what right. kind of man he was, kind of mm-hmm. to see if he could get any more information about the other sons or whether Bittersteel was involved or you know I don't, I, right. things of that nature, just to get as much information as he could before he broke up the party. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. For someone who seems to love and value information like Blood Raven does, yep. I, I wouldn't put it past him to want to get you know as complete a picture as he can yeah. before he before he uh, rains on their parade, yeah. tears the party down. But... Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, and you uh, know, go ahead. And you know, if he planned the uh, the egg removal. Which we'll learn more about next episode. Yes. Where Where is that egg now? I suppose that's maybe a topic more for the next episode. Yeah, we'll talk about that one next episode. Um, yeah. I I predict our answers are we don't know, uh, but <laughs> but we'll talk about it. We sure will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I think is that it. Yeah, I think you know we. Let's talk about it next episode so we have some more meat for next Davos After Dark. Okay. Uh, talking about, you know, Blood Raven and the, uh, when he makes his appearance to save Dunk. Yeah. And the hooded shape with the single pale white eye. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk more about Blood Raven there. But just so you know, guys, we didn't miss those little details that happen at the end of the novella. Yep. We're just going to wait. We're just going to wait on them. Bit. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that uh, that brings us to the end of the episode. Unless you've got anything else to add. Um, no, this was fun. All right. Let's uh, okay. go ahead and sign off. All right. So going back to one of my, one of the phrases we brought up earlier. And let me just pull it up again. Below the salt was good enough for dunk. All right. So. That's my sign-off, below the, below the salt being good enough for Dunk. And you know what? If being in the situation that you're in is where you want to be and where you feel you should be and where you're comfortable, then that's awesome. Also, if you're more like Glendon, where you're constantly feeling like you have to fight and claw your way up higher to where you feel you belong, then that's what you should do too. Um, whatever situation you're in, I just hope that you guys are are happy where you are. And that's what I'm signing off with tonight. That's a good one. And it it transitions uh, reasonably well to mine. Uh, Mine starts with a quote. Uh, Dunk says this, trying to calm the nerves uh, of Glendon and Kyle the Cat. There were brave men on both sides. And so I guess I'd just add on to what Matt's saying. Um, Be careful about judging the sides people have picked Hmm. don't judge the guy that's content sitting below the salt and don't judge the guy that's striving for more because there are brave men everywhere getting along the best way that they know how that's it love it guys we don't plan this stuff no that was lucky all right (laughs) let's call it a night good night matt it was great talking to you dang we're good (laughs) dang we're good good night everybody bye Stick like glue, baby, oh, cousin.
stuck on you. What do you want to do, man? <laughs> you know, Scott, we're reaching clear down into the barrel here, but mm -hmm. if we're doing Duncan Egg, I feel like we should just knock out these other novellas. Me too. I feel the same way. Let's see. Oh, that's not where I start. Okay. Dunk was seated between Kyle the Cat. Wait a second. I started this at the right part, right, Scad? Uh, pause. I just had this terrible feeling that I didn't start section three at the right place. It's possible. Uh... Okay, yeah, it ends it. Yes. It yeah. gave him a doubtful look, and then they yes. seated the hedge knights well below the salt. Okay. For a second yes. there, I just had this terrible feeling like, wait, we didn't even describe them getting to white walls, but this doesn't either. Okay. The yeah, the last thing I just said is uh, that the ferry arrives, which... Right. I'm not even sure. Oh, Dunk saw the ferry creeping slowly across the lake. Right. Okay. Mm yeah. Here we go. I'm going to ad-lib just a, an opening line. Kalisar, let's talk about the songs on this episode. Thanks for Scad for jumping in and giving us a great callback to Aerosmith's Eat the Rich from their 1993 album Get a Grip. And then later we uh, brought up Stuck on You, my favorite song by Elvis Presley. That's from his 1960 album, Elvis is Back. I mentioned Dave Matthews does a really nice cover of that song. It's really sweet. Uh, it was like at a tribute show or something where a bunch of different artists covered Elvis songs. And I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube. I don't know if it's collected on an album somewhere. But anyways, it's a fun one too. Love y'all. Stay savage, you crazy blood riders. Till next time.